Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken here alongside my good friend and co-host, the voice of the Mitchell Colonels. It's Travis Krins. Travis, how are we doing? We're doing good. We're in the basketball season. We have games on Friday. And uh, how, how'd you do against Huron? Oh, they won both of them. Mitchell did. Um, boys game, 60-48. Boys have... Kind of like it's just kind of like three guys that they're going to have to carry the load this year. So it's going to be like a a three man team. Okay. And they scored like all but nine of their points. So. Wow, that's uh, that's impressive. They got two. I would say they've got two of the ten best players in the class. Maybe even two of the best seven or eight. I think they're really good. Okay. Uh, Colton Smith is a sophomore. Marcus Talley's a junior. And they got Gavin Sokup, who's also good. Uh, girls' game was a bit more eventful. I would say it's one of the, I, I don't remember this game for probably forever. Did I uh, say this correctly? That it was like, what, 31 14 at the beginning of the second half? Is that correct? That's correct. It was 31 14 at halftime. It was 19 to 5. 19 to 4, 19 to 5 at the end of the first quarter. Wow. And, and the, the girls brought pretty much everybody back from last year. And once in a while, they have trouble scoring. Sometimes they will go, well, they will go a quarter plus, and they may only make a shot, one shot. And they kind of had that going on Friday night. So they were playing awful offensively, couldn't do a damn thing. And they're down. Maybe around 15 and a half, I guess. 29-14 and a half is what it was. And first minute of the second half, Huron scores the first five points. So it's a 20-point lead. Like, Jesus Christ, let's get this done one. And then Huron proceeds to score four points the rest of the game. That's the next 15 minutes. Is that the because of good Mitchell defense or just poor, like, you know, just... Yeah, probably I give Mitchell credit to defense. They had one girl, a senior, Hampton Hines, who's a good shooter. Yeah, she had 20 points, but 16 of those were in the first half. But I think she must have scored all four of their points after that. Ron Mitchell wins the game, what, 42-38. It was a 28-4 finish over the final 15 minutes. Wow. So they, they pulled that one out. And they were down 20. They went on a 7 nothing run. I think he got up to 13 to nothing. And then not much happened in the fourth quarter. Like they had the ball. They probably had the ball 10 to 12 times with the chance to tie it or take the lead, and they never could. Then they finally did. They had some free throws in the final minute. Their best player fouled out with like four minutes to go. So they ended up winning it. It was ugly, 42-38, but it was a win. Uh, Yep, a win is a win, and you'll take it however you can get it. Well, uh, that sounds like an eventful way to start off basketball season. And they have changed the fouls in high school basketball state. Okay. Um. Normally, it's like college with the bonus. You got to get to seven to get to the bonus. Here, it's I guess more kind of like the college women, where it changes every quarter. You need to get the 
Five, five holes, five fouls. There yep. is no bonus. It's there are double bonus. It's all two free throws. I like I like that. I like that change that women's college basketball has made. It it seems like it's a good idea to do it at the high school level as well. I mean, I think mean you would think two more points because there are no other ones anymore, and they can pick up fouls and they lose it at the end of every quarter. So we will see how that how that affects. Very good. Well, this is one of those rare weeks during football season where football is not the uh, topic of conversation or we don't have much to talk about. There, the Vikings game was god-awful. They beat the Raiders 3 to nothing. Uh, Josh Dobbs got yanked from Nick Mullins. The uh, they had you know Justin Jefferson had to leave. Uh, they had multiple offensive line injuries. Alexander Madison had to leave, so that I think contributed to um, some of the offensive woes. But the defense played outstanding. And let me tell you this here: the Minnesota Wild played the Seattle Kraken last on Sunday night as well. Uh, did you happen to see what that uh, final score was? Was it? Seven to five? It was not. It was three to nothing. So, both Minnesota sports teams that played on Sunday scored the same amount, same amount of points or goals, and shut out their opponents, which is fairly cool. But that game was hideous. I uh, don't know where you know what. Uh, yeah, it was just hideous. Don't really want to talk about it. But uh, if you have thoughts, please share. I find it funny Jefferson started again. I remember what, it was a year or two ago he did his fake the dance and he, and he fake like he tore his hamstring. Yep. And then people thought, oh, he was hurt for a second, then he wasn't. And then now he's hurt with the hamstring. That's funny. Now he hurt his chest or his back or whatever the fuck happened to him. So. They are optimistic he will be able to play Saturday against Cincinnati. Well, I get joy out of that. Yeah, you know, Dobbs, his run was good. He's done now. I guess the first pass from Nick Mullins, you could tell the difference. Like, mm-hmm. Dobbs just isn't very good, you know? Yep. And they tried to utilize him running the ball, but that just never happened. They did the zone read stuff, which never materialized. Mm-hmm. And the more he played, the worse he got. His best games were at the beginning when he didn't know anything. And now he's coming off a bye, and that was his worst game. And then the Bears game was, was, was his worst game. <laughs> So you take Nick Mullins. I guess you were still in the playoff hunt. Um, I'd like to see Jaron Hall. I would too. Point. I, I mean, too. I would like to see that, but I don't know if that's going to happen because this team continues to try and win. So, what they're seven and six. Yep. Could have beat the Bears. Could have beat the Chargers. That would put you at nine and four. Mm-hmm. And tie, which is just ridiculous. Because this is such an inept team. Well, this is a far better team than last year. Last year, they won a bunch of close games, uh, and the defense was... This year, they're still winning these games. But they've been dealt with a lot of injuries, like to the quarterback position, to the wide receiver position. They've been banged up on the offensive line. Jordan Hicks hasn't been playing here the last few weeks. And Ivan Pace Jr., Undrafted uh, rookie linebacker from Cincinnati, 13 tackles, a sack, and a pick to ice the game, or essentially ice the game on Sunday. 
He's playing well. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot to like, especially on defense and offensively. It it stinks right now, but I think a lot of this is is injury. This is a far better team this year than they were last year. Defense is a lot better. Like they still can't beat anybody, though. They still can't win a game convincingly. Like it, it with with injuries, no injuries. This quarterback, that quarterback, a good defense, a bad defense. With Jefferson, without like none of this, mm-hmm. none of these things seem to matter when it comes to okay. What happens? How does the game finish? And it's always close. Nope. Like, how does this happen? It doesn't matter who's there or what's good or what's bad or what backup's playing. Just every game is close. Sunday so, was... I, yes. I, feel like, I kind of feel like they won their last game of the year. I don't think they're beating the Bengals. I don't think they're beating the Lions or the Packers. Well, the, the Lions don't look like uh, world beaters right now at all. So They've always lost the Bears the first time. Their, their defense, is, everything's got to get better for them. I think, again, like, I don't like... Kind of like in the college, like, who is the team right now? San Francisco. San Francisco, you got Dallas, you got the Eagles aren't playing very well. And the, I mean, the AFC, like, who, who, it may end up being the Chiefs, who knows, but you got, can Baltimore win something? Can the Dolphins beat anybody good? Maybe the, can the Bills get in the playoffs if they can? So so the AFC is going to be a big mess. I don't know if it's saying this week, but last week, like the, the first three teams out of the playoffs in the AFC were better than the last three teams in. Yes, yep, I would say that's the case this week as well. And then you got Joe Flacco, you got the Browns. Browns are good. I think the Browns are the best team. And then you got the Steelers and the Colts, which aren't they aren't great. Uh, the the Texans, a uh, lot of injuries for them here now. Uh, you got the, then the Bengals and the Bills. Um, Behind them. Yeah, I'd say like there should be a 12-team playoff, wouldn't it? Yeah. The NFC should be four teams. Do uh, do Detroit, Philadelphia, Dallas, San Francisco. That's all you need. And in the AFC, it's been 12. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah. Uh, it was rare air on Sunday where there were two games that were scoreless going into half. The Jets-Texans was scoreless going into half. Then the Jets erupted for 30 points in the second half to beat the Texans 30-6. to Zach Wilson played really well, actually. But, again, the Texans were uh, just riddled with injuries in that game. And then the Vikings-Raiders game was scoreless going into half. And it was scoreless with two minutes to go in the game. I was really, I mean, I think everybody at that point was for... A scoreless tie? Yes. It's the no, lowest. No game's ever done overtime zero zero. It's the lowest uh, score. It's the lowest point total for a game indoors ever in NFL history. Three points. I knew the team really got close to scoring. Raiders had it in the twenty, and they fought a hunter for fumbled. Yep, Josh Metellus, great player. Vikings missed a field goal. Yep, and that was it. Nobody else really came close. Everyone, there were a lot of turnovers. Just. Yeah, two bad quarterbacks. It was just bad. It bad was. Number, that, you, the Bears game the week before, this is just... They feel like preseason games. Yeah, it's not good. It's interesting. 
The Vikings have lost six games this year by a combined uh, by an average of three point eight points. That's the uh, that's the mo- that's the lowest amount in the NFL. Uh, but that goes to your point about all the close games that they play. The, I think every or what everyone's talking about, you know, Baltimore had the nice punt return for a touchdown in overtime. There were some block blocks in the back that were missed. Uh, the Cowboys annihilate the Eagles. Eagles don't look very good right now. Dallas and Dak Prescott are rolling. But every, everyone is talking about uh, Kadarius Toney being offside and negating what would have been an all-time great play uh, that would have probably propelled the Chiefs to victory over Buffalo on Sunday. You have Travis Kelsey catching a pass, 25 yards, and then he throws it back to Kadarius Tony. It's a, a very like almost a, a near perfect pass, and Kadarius Tony runs it in for a touchdown. Everyone's erupting in Arrowhead. They think they've won this or have taken the lead on an incredible play. Only Kadarius Tony is called offside. It was obvious on the. Uh, on the replay, both uh, Patrick Mahomes just went, he was livid uh, going after the officials. Andy Reid was upset after the game. And, you know, I think that's a lot of pent up frustration more for Mahomes with his wide receivers because they've been god awful this year. Very unreliable. And Kadarius Tony continues to just have the, I mean, he is just so inconsistent and so terrible. Uh, that was bad. It, you know, Reed kind of addressed it or walked his comments back on Monday. Then saying, "Yeah, Kadarius does need to line up offside or onside. <laughs> He's got to look. He's got to make that adjustment." Um, it, it's bad. It really had it had no bearing on the play at all whatsoever. But it was obvious. So I, yeah. That, but seeing Mahomes go off like that. I think he's fed up with uh, with what has transpired this year with Chiefs wide receivers because, and honestly, inconsistent officiating because they got screwed against Green Bay the week before. They've had some calls go against him. He got his helmet ripped off in this game, and there was no penalty called. Um, there's been some inconsistencies uh, with officiating that have gone against the Chiefs this year, but still. Um, like the right call was made here, and it's it, this is really on Kadarius Tony for robbing us of an all-time great play. Yeah, the Chiefs are the last team that need to be complaining about the refs with as much help as they've gotten through the years with the officiating Christ. Yeah, it's just of all the calls they get mad at, that's not the one they get mad at. That's he just looks like an idiot. I believe there was a Latavius Murray catch that. Was ruled a catch, but never should have been because he never had full control. That's I remember one. Jordan. I remember there was a fourth and twelve, or like four minutes left. Vikings had a fourth and twelve against the Chiefs. They were down twenty-seven twenty. Mm-hmm. Jordan Addison was it's uh, Ladarius Sneed just all over Jordan Addison. Mm-hmm. And oh, nothing there. All right, turnover on down. Chiefs ball. Mm-hmm. I really that should have been at the one. Mm-hmm. That never see the end of the Super Bowl last year. I didn't like that. There was a, somebody had a Twitter thread. There were literally like 15 calls just this season that were like a holding call against the Jets or not. That should have yeah. been. Yep, yep. Um, where Mahomes ran for like 30 yards. It just goes on and on and on. You know, it speaks to the how terrible officiating is. And there was the the roughing the, the against the Packers last week where it was. Yep. 
yep. unnecessary roughness. It's like the guy's still in bounds. Yep. He's at, I'm like, what? Unnecessary roughness? So, yeah, the Chiefs don't need to be uh, that upset. They need to address their receivers. They, you know, Tyreek Hill, they won without him, and that's looking like just like a ridiculously dumb move to, to get rid of him. And they're playing just playing awful right now. Their well, defense is good enough, but their offense is bad. And, mm-hmm. and if you got Patrick Mahomes, it still isn't enough. If you guys can't catch the ball, I would maybe try throwing it to Travis Kelsey a little bit more. Uh, yeah, you feel like how often can you throw to him? I don't know. It's just he's the only guy they got. So there's still time to go, but they do not look you know anything like you know Denver's right on their ass right now. And, yes. I mean, they, I mean, they should win the rest of these games they've got, but mm-hmm. no. Anybody? I mean, the Christ, the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. Yes. Jets beat the Eagles. So the Cardinals beat the Steelers. So I mean, nothing's for real. So who who knows what's going to happen? Like the Eagles should still win that division. They don't have much left. But the Eagles haven't looked good against Washington. The Gemini they haven't looked good against. They haven't looked good at all this year. So. Prior to last week's game against San Francisco, they had the lowest. Um, margin like margin of difference uh, in terms of points for and points allowed out of any team that was ten and one in NFL history. I mean, so this is a team that is, you know, they were already kind of on on the skids before that, but they were finding ways to win games. You know, that game against Buffalo comes to mind. Um, like every game they played, almost. Yeah. Yep. And they're, honestly, the but Eagles this year kind of remind me of the Vikings of last year. Yeah. That's what it, is, that's what it feels like. Well, San Francisco, I mean, hopefully it's San Francisco-Dallas. Um, that was a blowout last time, but we'll I mean, San Francisco's blown out both the Eagles and the Cowboys, and the AFC's just a mess, so... And like MVP, I feel like it's going to be Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy, and that's, that's pretty much your two-man race right now. I I have to throw Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill into the mix. I think this is a year for one of those two individuals to win it. I'm sure it'll. I think I would give one of them the MVP and one the Offensive Player of the Year. I think this is a year, given all the issues at quarterback. I think this is the year. That you give it to either CMC or I honestly right now I'd probably give the MVP to Tyreek Hill and give Christian McCaffrey the offensive player of the year. That's what I would do personally. Like Brock Purdy, female people say whatever they say about him. But he's putting up just you know, Dak Prescott's been doing well too, but he's just putting up like Kirk Warner in ninety nine type stats. Yeah. And like people aren't you know, they, they just have their opinion on him because of where he was drafted. Like, he's averaging, like, almost 10 yards per attempt. That's like, you know, that's what Kurt Warner did. Mm-hmm. Four, 14 yards of completion. You know, he's, he, his, his quarterback rating's 117. That's when he went through a rough stretch. He leads in QBR, QB rating. He leads for yards per completion, yards per attempt. You got 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions. His touchdown percentage is the best. He leads in completion percentage at 70%. He's going to throw for 45, some 4,600 yards. Like, like, you know, anybody else puts up these numbers, it's like a slam. Well, yeah, he's the MVP. If this is Mahomes or 
Brady, Manning, Rodgers, whoever, Brady, like, oh, yeah, he's, fuck, he's MVP. Oh, yes. And people are, well, like, he's, like, number two now, but people don't give him any credit, so. That. Like, Jim Garoppolo wasn't doing this, so I guess he's better than that, whatever that said, but. Yeah. That's pretty much going to be the extent of uh, NFL talk here this week, unless you got anything else. I mean, we got next week here. We got a triple header on Saturday on the NFL Network. Bengals, uh, Vikings or Vikings Bengals kick it off. You got Colt, uh, Steelers Colts and and Broncos Lions. Broncos Lions. That'll be a good game. But uh, yeah, I got, I got basketball. Um, Twelve thirty double header. So I'm gonna have to. Miss that and come home and not be spoiled. Maybe I don't think that might be tough. I might announce that over the loudspeaker. Who knows? Well, you but, you might have to come back and watch a seven-three Viking victory. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> this, uh, I thought maybe a week. But I thought this was was this Colts Vikings last year. I don't know. It was. It, it was. Yep. This is a one year Saturday bullshit game. So yeah, Broncos Lions Lions need to need to play better. That's your Super Bowl team. So, you, yeah, they do need to play better. Um, Justin Fields, like, they've got to move on. Like, how, how, do you think the, how do you think the Giants feel about uh, Billy Jones now, signing him to a, to a contract? <laughs> oh, we, we made the playoffs, and he played well, and we, did, we won a playoff game with Billy Jack Johnson Jones, <laughs> who proceeds to suck again and get hurt. And oh, Justin Fields, did you watch the Vikings game? That was eight days ago. Did you watch that? Oh, he did this against the Lions. He did this and this and that. And look at this stretch of games. He did, oh, look at his last 17 games. He's doing this and that. And, like, really? Like, is- no, like, nobody has even brought up the thing. Like, move him to running back, move him to receiver. Like, you have. You don't have just, oh, there's Kenny Pickett's at the top of the draft, so let's say with no. You've got the number one pick. You've got many, many picks you can you can mess with here. You can move down, and you can pick up a bunch of picks and try to build this thing around them, mm-hmm. or get one of the quarterbacks you think is going to be good, get an offensive lineman, do something, because, I mean, uh, enough with Justin Fields. It's just, even, even yesterday, like, 19 of 33 for 223 yards. That's over 10 yards of completion against a not good Detroit a defense. That's not good. That's all. Oh, they won the game. So Justin Field. Wow. No. No. Quit trying to talk themselves. What three years now? No. Yes. 19 of 33 for 223. Do you see Bryce Young's stat line? 13 to 39. That's bad. That's bad. Um, Vikings defense has allowed one touchdown in their last 33 drives. That's really good. That is good. I mean, it is, you know, they're not playing, you know, the 99 Rams here, but it is good. You know, Raiders, Bears, Broncos. It's still impressive. Like, I mean, for anyone to do that. This is the worst year for quarterback. I mean, just the injuries. Yes. And yep. This, this is the worst. I don't know like, when you would have to go back. 
you say this, this is, I mean, Trevor Lawrence played, which was, was incredible. And Jake Browning all of a sudden looks like a goddamn all-star. So. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, but, so that, uh, you know, I just actually think we went a little longer here on Football Talk than I was anticipating here because baseball stole the show last week, uh, if I do say so myself, unless you have any other NFL thoughts we need to get to first. One thing not football-related, but in case I forget. Okay. Most more of a college thing. You just listen to these games on radio or TV or wherever, and the play-by-play guy will say, Bill Johnson with a sack, he's from Wichita, Kansas. What the fuck do I care where he is? Have I, have, I, have I talked about this before? I don't believe so, no. What the fuck do I care where this guy's from? I would care if he was like maybe from a small town and there was like a regional tie, but yeah, Wichita doesn't matter. Between North Carolina and Miami, (laughs) Billy Johnson has a sack, or Bill Jones catches, oh, Bill Jones with a touchdown! He's from Albany, New York! (laughs) What the fuck, why would you say? That's just filler, that's... I don't know, it just happens all the time, you watch... College basketball, like, I like when they, hey, this guy's a transfer from Texas Tech. All right, that's at least relevant. So right, you're not giving the city and state that he's uh, born in or came from. Like, it doesn't matter. A game between Texas Tech and Arizona. Hey, this guy, he had the interception. He's a junior from Sacramento. Okay, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't bring anything to the table. So people should quit doing that because... None of that matters. Oh, like, a, here. like Adam. Nobody Fe- listens to that and says, oh, wow, he's from Sacramento. God damn. I've never been there. I don't know nobody from there. Cool. It's, uh, so like, you know, it's like Adam Thielen. Oh, did you know he was a you know, $500 scholarship at Minnesota State Mankato? Uh, Once he's in his about his seventh year with the Vikings, they're like, all right, we got it. If you don't got it by now, look it up. So I, it's more of a college thing than anything else. But I don't. Well, sometimes they'll say it in the NFL. Oh, this is his fourth year from Notre Dame. What about it? Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? This isn't a game between the, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Bill Billy Johnson, defensive tackle, gets the salary. Fourth year from USC. I don't. That doesn't. Big, if he's not a rookie or if he's not in his fucking 20th year. Well, at least they're I'm only saying the college. And, college. At, well, at least they're only saying the college and not. Uh, um, not but it's a waste. It's like more so with, with with college in his hometown. Like I just hear that, and that irritates me now for whatever reason. It's like, oh, this guy from this random place. This guy's from Kansas City. This guy's from Detroit. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, we do have a few college football things to get to, but we'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, we do need to Nathan, get Nathan Stacking from Marshall, Minnesota. Yes. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, oh, appreciate that, Travis Prince from Hartford, not Connecticut. I'm here in Hartford in my twelfth uh, year doing this show from Hartford. <laughs> um. So, uh, by the way, Adam Thielen signing with the Carolina Panthers because uh, he wanted to be on a, with a competitive team that just looks so bad right now. Hey, maybe go to the Chiefs. They could probably use an Adam Thielen. Go to the Chiefs. I would say so. In fact, I think that's a great landing spot for him in the off season. Go there for a year with Patrick Mahomes. I would be all over that. 
Uh, so last week, you see, okay, we got a, you know, the the general manager. Is it the owner meetings or the GM meetings that were in Nashville? The winter meeting. Just the winter meeting. I'm sorry. Just yeah, it's just whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just the winter meetings. And not much is happening, and then you get to the final day, and oh, okay, we got some uh, we got some news coming out here. Low, lowest on the totem pole here, uh, I guess, out of the the major news on that last day was that Eduardo Rodriguez and Arizona agreed to a four-year, eighty million dollar deal. Uh, that's a you know significant uh, for the Diamondbacks, adding that ace to your uh, rotation to go along with Zach Gallen and stuff. So I that was a big move, thought, from the Diamondbacks. But then moments later, oh, it's a, a major trade. Juan Soto is headed to, oh, let's guess where he's going. Yeah, the New York Yankees. They trade, what, like seven pitchers for five? five? Okay, well, it should, it should be seven. But... Um, the Yankees give up a ton of pitching to land Juan Soto, and it's a move I think a lot of people had anticipated, you know, that Juan Soto wasn't going to come back to the Padres, and considering all that they gave up to the Nationals for him, they certainly didn't get their money's worth, but seems like they got quite a, you know, some decent pitching prospects from the Yankees out of this. When you first heard this news, what did you, what did you make of it? Juan Soto? Yeah, Juan Soto. Um, if you want to talk Eduardo Rodriguez too, that's fine. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was kind of the Yankees and like the Padres. Padres probably think they gave up more for Soto than they received in return. But we'll see how this works. I first saw it, it was kind of like that's it. But then you look at the pictures and like, all right, uh, Michael King is good. He's been up for a couple of years in the bullpen mainly. He can be a starter. And the Padres need need starting pitching because they lose Blake Snell. They've got you Darvish who's older. They've got Joe Musgrove who got hurts. They need starting pitchers. Uh, they are very low on that. Uh, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez. How good will they be? We will see. They pitch in the majors. They've done okay to well. Maybe they are like number five starters. You would think Drew Thorpe is a, a prospect I had on one of my teams. We'll see how good he is. You know, and they got a backup catcher. So, they got four pitchers. Four pitchers. Four okay. pitchers. One that we know is pretty good. One prospect, two knows, and two guys that are so-so. So, Soto's going to be a free agent next year, and he's going to probably want 400 Fifty million dollars or thereabouts. So, I, I I suppose you know the Yankees will be among those teams that will want to sign him because I don't think he will sign with them before that. I think he will be a free agent. So it's something to give up. And the Padres tried, and unfortunately for them, all of the guys they signed had terrible years or below average years, I guess, except Soto. He got off to a bad start, and then at the end, it was good. Machado was less than you would think. Xander Bogarts wasn't very good for what you expect, and mm-hmm. Ronald Tatis wasn't what he was before his suspension. So, you know, you come back with that, but they trade him. So, I'm good with that. 
And he's also got Trent Grisham for defensive purposes. So, and like, you know, Soto hits 30-some home runs. Maybe he can hit 40 now with the, you know, dimensions in Yankee Stadium. Right. So, well, I mean, and Yankees, like Petco Park is one of the most difficult places to yeah. hit a home run at, right? Because it's one of the deepest parks in all of Major League Baseball. Good pitchers park. They like the Yankees were just so terrible on offense that they needed something like this. So, like yeah, what, Stanton's always hurt. What does this uh, do for the Yankees? Good, but he was out for two months. So, what does this do for the Yankees? You get Soto in now. You can have Judge. You can uh, who's the uh, um, Stanton, Stanton? Yeah, Giancarlo Stanton. Like, they, and they they made a trade with the Red Sox for Verdugo or whatever. And so, like, what? Like the Yankees. I mean, this is a very powerful lineup here, but ultimately, what what does this what does this? I don't know if this necessarily makes the Yankees, you know, the team to beat in the American well, League now. Let maybe no, not even their own division. Like Stanton, that just looks, you know, that just looks like an awful trading contract now. At the time, oh, oh, look what the Yankees did. Yeah, look what they did. They got a guy you can't run. And Judge is good, but he, you know he's been hurt, and he's he's I guess older. What, like thirty years old now? Juan Soto right now is still younger than Judge was as a rookie. Wow! Like Juan Soto's like twenty five, and Judge didn't come up until he was like twenty six. Okay. So yeah, they need some offense. They got some offense. They need some more pitching as well outside of Garrett Cole. So. Maybe I guess this makes them a playoff team, but certainly not better than Houston or, you know, maybe Baltimore, Toronto. We'll see. Yeah, they're there. It's a, it's a trade of necessity. Well, between the two trades that the Yankees did last week for Verdugo from Boston and Soto from San Diego, they gave up seven pitchers. So, like, obviously they're going to have to, I don't know, okay, do they have you know the resources to go sign someone in free agency? I would guess they would, but I wonder like what are their uh, what's you know what's their farm system looking like? You you your pitching staff is going to be awfully thin here headed into next year, I would imagine, uh, unless we unless they pull some other kind of trade out that unforeseen. But uh, yeah, but what does this mean for their pitching staff? Uh, I think we've talked about the the Asian pitcher guy from Japan coming over. I'll call him Yoshi Yamamoto. Yamamoto. Okay, I was going to say, is it Yamamoto? Yeah, he is only 25. He might get $300 million. And you never know how the Japanese are going to do. But he appears, maybe he'll be the best of all the Japanese pitchers. Whoa, okay. You think about if you Darvish has been the best one to come over yet, you would maybe say. You want to put Shohei Otani in that? Yeah, you put him in there as well. And and this guy appears to be, you know, better than those two, just as good as those two. So we will see where he goes. Maybe it sounds like it's, you know, for that price, it's the Dodgers, it's the Mets, it's the Yankees. So it's like, I feel like he's going to be, be among one of those three. So he's, he's the next big, big one to, to come down. Did you have any thoughts on... Eduardo signing with Arizona. No, good for them because they only they kind of went through the playoffs with like three pitchers last year was all. Mm-hmm. 
and we talked about him. He didn't want to go to the Dodgers for whatever reason, for family reasons. Um, so for whatever reason, he didn't want to go to the Dodgers. Now he goes to Arizona. So, yeah, good, good pickup for them. So that was the news headed into the weekend. And then it was uh, over on Shohei Otani watch. And you had Dodgers manager Dave Roberts kind of leaking stuff about, you know, oh, you know, we've we talked with Otani and, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars here. And it's like, okay, well, he wanted these things kind of kept under wraps and whatnot. Does that hurt the Dodgers' chances at all? And then there's rumors of a plane that's being flown to Toronto and someone from MLB Network is reporting that Otani's on this plane. So all of a sudden, the Blue Jays are becoming monster... Uh, you know, they, they just they, everyone's talking about them. Betters are flogging to bet on the Blue Jays and stuff. And, uh, oh, nope, it's, I guess, some guy from, what, Shark Tank or something that was <laughs> uh, plane landed in Toronto or something. But, no... Otani doesn't go to Toronto, and then word comes on Saturday that he is signing with the Dodgers. Okay, a lot of fanfare for nothing here because the, the Yankees and the Dodgers, I don't think it's great for the sport when the stars always go there, but I get that you want two of your better franchises and uh, you know the fan bases and media markets and whatnot to get your to get these stars. I'm like, okay, a 10-year deal for Shohei Otani, that's a little long, I suppose. But, okay, considering that he's got the elbow issue, you know, Tommy John, we don't know. Like, how is he going to be pitching and everything like that? He certainly can hit. All right, well, like, what is the range that we're going to see him get? And to see the astounding amount of $700 million, I think, is blow. I think it blows everyone's predictions out of the water. I don't... Did anyone see this coming? $700 million dollars. For Shohei Otani, I thought maybe five fifty, then seven hundred million. Uh, the Athletic has a story up like twenty minutes ago, and a lot of this is deferred uh, for uh, for counting against the salary cap or whatever. Um, it's it's not seventy million a year, right? It averages out to that. Yeah, we, we don't know exactly, but according to this from 20 minutes ago, it's about $46 million a year for salary cap purposes, I guess. But what this says is that Otani has, agree, has agreed to defer all of the contract, but $2 million of his annual salary until after he's done playing. Wait, what? 68 of the 70 million per year will come in the Bobby Bonilla once I'm retired. Wow. So the Dodgers, I don't know, again, this is legal and whatever. So the Dodgers, they can sign this Yamamoto. They can sign whoever else. They're essentially paying him an annual salary of $2 million a year. For the next ten years, how is that? How is that legal? How is that good for baseball if they can do that? Like that seems like a really shifty. Um... I, I heard that the Oakland Athletics offered him one dollar for seven hundred million years, and he said no. <laughs> okay. So uh, this is from the athletic. Because I want okay, what it, 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 we talked about. It's deferred. Like half of it's deferred. Most of it's deferred. Until you know, after he retired, after this contract is done, does that mean he gains interest on it like Bobby Bonilla does? Um, 
It'll be paid without interest. Oh, okay. From 2034 to 2043. So for the, from when he's 40 to 50 years old, 10 years after this contract is done, he will be paid whatever, $68 million a year. And that doesn't so count against the books or anything like that. I think it does. It does, okay. Because so, Bobby Bonilla is, I think he, what, he gets $3 million or so from the Mets. Right, but that's... That counts, that counts against the, the Mets' salary cap. Okay, okay, so... So, I, so I, I mean, this seems bad. Like, you, you want... And who knows? Like, again, this also goes on to say that... Oh, he also makes about $50 million a year in endorsements. Well, right. So, I mean, you don't necessarily... No, he'll make more away from the field than he will on it. Where he says uh, the expected average annual value of the contract is said to be closer to forty-six million per year. So, however they, whatever NFL system they do here to finagle the money to, will push it off ten, twenty years from now. Well, we'll give him, I, I don't know what, but that's what this says of. Well, Obviously, seven hundred million is the big headline. Two million annual salary, forty-six million per year for the uh, you know collective bargaining and, and luxury taxes and the salary cap. And he's going to get a lot. He's going to get seven hundred million dollars, I guess, over the next twenty years. So, however they divide that up is however they're going to divide that. Because baseball doesn't have a salary cap, right? It's the luxury tax. And if you go over right. that, then if, you have to... If you want to pay $100 million in taxes by going over it, by all means, go ahead. But that's essentially what this is, like, this is then. So, I mean, yeah, the, the Dodgers can go out and get that. I, I, I cool. Okay, so the, just like the $700 million contract, though, the, the average of $70 million a year, regardless of, you know, if they're deferring it or not till till after, you know, 2034 to 2043 or whatever. Yeah. But just the fact that he's able to land a $700 million contract, given the fact that, again, he is the most unique player in all of Major League Baseball. He's a great hitter. He's a great pitcher. Like, the, the, the combination of that is something that we haven't seen since arguably Babe Ruth. I mean, just the way he's able to do it here on you know at the plate and on the mound, but also given the fact that he has this elbow injury and you know the you know we don't know you know how he's going to come back from that. I think I would have thought that he would have signed for a fewer years and maybe half that amount. I can. I am only wondering now if he was fully healthy. Would he have exceeded a billion dollars? Like his seven seven hundred million, I thought would have been huge if he was fully healthy. But now, considering this, like, would they have gone? Would it have exceeded a billion dollars? I, I I don't know. I, I'm merely asking the question here because this seems like an awful lot of money for as great of a player as he is. He's not fully healthy right now, so I. I don't know. That just seems like a the the duration of the contract and the amount just seems like a lot right now for a guy that you don't know when he's going to be fully healthy, just how well he's going to be, if he's ever going to be the guy that he was with the Angels uh, like two years ago. This tells me that they are going to have him pitch. Like they're going to have him be a starter because you wouldn't pay him this much just to hit. And he's had Tommy John once, and they'll have it twice now. Well, that's what I'm wondering is, like, if... I guess that's... I, I should have phrased it a little differently because are they going to look for him to pitch this year or is it going to be no, next no, year? No, no, he's going to pitch this year. Okay. 
Right. So well, if he continues to do what he has done with the pitching and the hitting at that level, then he is worth, you know, seventy million a year. Sure, he's worth that if he continues to do that. But yeah, like if he has another Tommy John, like how is it like, well, we'll get two years out of him, he'll have a third surgery, we'll get a you know, two more years out of him pitching, then we'll have a fourth Tommy John, like how many you know, he's already had two. Mm-hmm. I mean, Craig, you run out of ligaments at some point. Right. Oh. Uh, but, and someone can always be a hitter, and he can hit you 45 home runs. He's not worth $700 million as a hitter. He's worth, you know, if you want to give him $400 million, 450 to be a hitter, sure. But, uh, yeah, like, again, I just don't know how long he can continue to do both at, at these levels where he's, you know, one of the five best hitters and one of the you know, five or ten best pitchers. I don't see that. I don't see him doing that when he's thirty-five. Well, doctor. So the Dodgers team physician, Doctor Neil Elatrosh, wrote in a statement that Otani would be ready to hit without any restrictions come opening day of twenty twenty-four and resume his role as a two-way player by twenty twenty-five. But details of the procedure, because it's you know it sounded like it was a hybrid version of Tommy, Tommy John. It it they remain um, murky. Like we really don't know what is going on. So I guess now for the Dodgers, you know what does this do for them here moving forward? I mean I I feel like with the Dodgers, we've talked about this before too. They win that World Series during the COVID year, but I think this assures them winning eight game in the wild card round. Okay, all right. Well, that's three. I think they'll lose in four. Well, what? Yeah, because if you're going to look at the Dodgers now here with this, you got Mookie Betts. You got a lot of great guys. Like, is Clayton Kershaw coming back here? What What does this do for the Dodgers here moving forward as we project towards opening day? Like, what is their uh, rotation going to look like? What's the? Are they Are they going to have to make moves? Are they going to have to send some guys elsewhere? Uh, to make room for Otani and uh, not necessarily the contract, but, I mean, they have a lot of great guys. You have Walker Bueller, of course, um, uh, you know, it, to help kind of lead that, that starting pitching uh, staff. But, you know, we don't really know what Clayton – is Clayton Kershaw, is he done now with them? He's a free agent. He had shoulder surgery, so he's probably going to miss – Okay. So, first half of the year. I mean, you look so at this lineup like, here that they could have Mookie Betts. You got Freddie Freeman. You got uh, Max Muncy. I guess he was good. Here. We mm-hmm. need some pitchers. We need some pitchers. They have been deep at pitcher when they're all hurt. So, I don't like Kershaw's up. Well, he's 35. He's about done. He can't, you know. Right. So, between the Dodgers and the Rangers for him. As. Um, as, and he doesn't need to make a decision until, you know. But. As big as a move as this is for the Dodgers, does this make them prohibitive World Series favorites going into next year or because Otani isn't going to be able to be the two-way player that we've become accustomed to seeing him uh, with the Angels? Where does this put the Dodgers for this year and, I guess, years moving forward? I mean, I think there's going to have to be some adjustment of you know, philosophy with them in terms of how they put their pitching staff together as well as some of these other big-name deals like a Mookie Betts or a Freddie Freeman? I would assume they're the betting favorites. But, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, this is a big move. He ain't going to pitch till next year, I guess. 
But, like, you need, like, the offense isn't the problem. Right. Like, you know, Mookie Betts is still only 31. Freddie Freeman's getting up there. He's 34. Um, I would, you know, maybe they'll sign this Yamamoto. That would, I think that would be a bigger, say, a more valuable signing than, than Otani because they need pitchers. And do you think if, if what the athletic has is true, that he's deferring that payment, that that opens the door? Maybe that's kind of, that was one of the, um, yeah. I don't know, concessions or one of the, the moves that Otani, or that was one of the reasons Otani wanted to do this was to allow Yamamoto to come in with him, you know, fellow Japanese player. Part of it, I would say, gets to get paid till he's fifty. Kershaw's not there. Uh, they had Dustin May, the redhead, who came back and he got hurt again. He's going to be out for a long time. Uh, Walker Buehler is back. This will be his first year back in you know sixteen months or whatever, eighteen months, or whatever it's going to be. They're they're pitching. They're, they, they will sign. They have to. They will sign somebody. They'll sign Blake Snell. They'll sign Yamamoto. They will sign somebody because, right, as their pitching stands right now in December, it is not. It is not good. No. So yeah, they have to make some moves to uh, to add to their starting rotation. Get Otani, and maybe they get the other guy as well. But they will. They will spend some money. It, it, they, again, they haven't outside of a sixty-game season. They have not won. They, they've been to what? Two World Series in that time, mm-hmm. and this—you know—I'm I'm still not picking them for the World Series, right? It's like, uh, and if they don't win it, then it's a disappointment. I feel like Dave Roberts—they have to at least get there, or else he's going to be fired. Aaron Boone mm-hmm. will be fired unless they—I feel like the Yankees have to get to the World Series, or else Aaron Boone will be let go. So, I mean, you spend a lot of money on this, and then you see the Diamondbacks go to the World Series. So, so I guess a two-part question here, one I probably should have let off with. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you that Otani signed with the Dodgers? And and maybe this changes now with the athletic report, but the money involved, too, on a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you at the money and the length of the contract? They were one, and he signed with the Dodgers. Uh, that's where he would go. I was surprised when it was reported Toronto. That really, wow! Now that you know they were in the mix, and when, when it came out that oh, it's going to be them, but it really wasn't. I, I thought it'd be the Dodgers. Ten year, I thought it'd be ten years. Okay. The seven hundred million was was stuck, and then how this is structured, and I was like, you know, I was like, no, nah. like wow, and you know. He'd rather have money now than money later, but he's going to get a lot of money later. So. We had to put the hot stove into overdrive this weekend. The DR yeah. wood splitter is is a it's still steaming out there right now because of how much you know wood we've had to cut with the hot stove and whatnot. So hopefully things kind of simmer down here a bit. But massive news here, and it takes a lot for baseball to really garner you know snatch attention away from uh, you know from the NFL or college football, but I guess it, it helped that there was no college football on this last weekend apart from Army, Navy, and FCS games, and you had the Heisman Trophy. But, like, this, you know, just the Otani watch really stole the show and stole headlines throughout the weekend, and I think people are still trying to, you know, just come to grips with with what uh, with what took place and what happened. 
And this, you know, this story came out, you know, a half hour ago. We, when we started talking, this story not been out yet. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what people's reactions are to him being paid two million dollars a year. You know, and sixty-eight million of the seventy million is deferred. Is that a good look for Major League Baseball, though? Because I don't think it is, and I think you kind of agree too that it seems a little shifty oh, or little, little um, shady. I feel like that's a deal like the Twins would do or, or a smaller market team would do. Well, we can't give you $70 million a year, but we can give you... So, like, what are the Dodgers going to do? Give him $68 million when he doesn't play? Like, what sense does that make? Like, right. oh, what? You're going for your World Series now, and then, uh, you know, from 2034 to 2043, you're at the bottom of the barrel. You're going to give him $68 million for 10 years after he's done playing? Like... Could we give you half of this? Or, hey, could we see who else we're going to sign? And then we'll say, well, we can afford to pay you $10 million this year. We feel comfortable with that. All staying under the tax. So it seems too too extreme. So are you going to get it? You're going to get them for 10 years and $20 million. Yeah. I don't and then you're going to have to pay them $680 million for the next 10 years when he's retired. Like, wouldn't 30 and 30, wouldn't that make more sense? Like, well, we'll pay it. We'll worry about that later. Like, well, so. well, well, we'll see how all of this, unless I'm missing something here. It, it seems too extreme. And, but, but good for him financially because, you know, $50 million in endorsements. Yeah. But you know what? When I'm done playing, I'm not going to have these endorsements as much as now. Mm-hmm. So, give me, you know... You'd rather have seventy million now than twenty years from now, but oh, for sure, for sure, that sets them up, sets them up well for future years. So we'll see if this becomes a trend in yeah. the NBA or the NFL or somewhere else. Where hey, give me a big, a big deal, give me more than I'm worth, but then spread it out longer. So instead of having a ten-year, five hundred fifty million dollar deal. I'll take a twenty-year deal with seven hundred million. Yeah, it's just bizarre, just absolutely bizarre. Any other MLB thoughts that we need to get to? It's been a slow time. I don't know why. If this is going to open the floodgates, is like there's like you know four teams in at all time. Is you know the, the Cubs and the Dodgers and the Blue Jays and maybe a couple others. Like, this shouldn't prevent, you know, anybody else from doing This shouldn't prevent the Brewers from doing or the Twins from doing anything. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sign them anyway. But, you know, you're watching the Twins. I feel like it's, it's going to be until next month. Trading Polanco, trading Kepler. Twins need to trade for more starting pitching, as they always do. Again, that's good. No. We don't need the hot stove to be burning this much here right now, it's, you know, it's, it helps. I think. Guess we have some mild air uh, yeah. for the for the next week or so. Uh, maybe even leading up until Christmas. So the fire danger, so dry yeah. out. It fire is. Danger. Yeah. Thank you, at Major League Baseball, for looking out for our forests. It's very nice. Um, college football. Congrats to Jaden Daniels on winning the Heisman Trophy. It was a close race. I was a little surprised Michael Penix Jr. He what came in second, I believe, right? And ahead of Bo Nix. I thought Bo Nix had a better year, was more 
consistent throughout the entirety of the year. But Jaden Daniels, no no quarrels from me. I mean, he, it's not his fault his defense couldn't do shit. But maybe that's ultimately what helped kind of lead him to putting up the stats that he did because he had to do that in order for LSU to win. Um, any thoughts on him winning the Heisman? Well, it was kind of a late bloomer there because it was Penix and Bo Nix in like most of the season. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, maybe Bo Nix would have won it if they would have won the Pac-12 and made the playoff. Because LSU wasn't great to what they were the eight and three. Yep. And uh, everybody just his numbers were just too massive. He ran for eleven hundred yards. He threw for thirty eight hundred. 40 touchdowns, four interceptions. Like, when we, when he was at Arizona State, he was one of the worst quarterbacks that you would see. He was awful. I really think that college football needs to institute a rule that you shouldn't vote for the Heisman until after conference championship weekend. I I really think that would... When it happened, or was it? I thought it was after. No, I, 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 I think you... But I think they like say you we we are not accepting any votes prior to the end of uh, of championship weekend because I think a lot of people a lot of votes were already coming in prior to yeah prior to that so no voting until after championship weekend. I think yeah the deadline is that Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's, you know to make I agree with that. I mean any voter should say I oh, just wait until. Till the last game, or if you're sure, like, well, there's nothing that could happen in this game that's going to change my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like, oh, Dane Daniels is my guy, Bo Nix is my guy, it doesn't matter, this Pac-12 game doesn't matter. So, yeah, that's, that's fine. Drake May, UNC quarterback, is apparently skipping the bowl game. He's going to enter the draft. He is the potential number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft. And that means it is time for Bowl Mania here. Uh, why don't you give some details for the fine folks out there who might want to participate with us and uh, and then go for glory here. And uh, Todd Stussy's used jockstrap, signed, by the way. Signed. Signed. He used jockstrap. It was against... Um... It was against uh, the Tennessee Oilers in 98 in the specific game. Oh, yes. The, that was the last game of the season. They played at Vanderbilt Stadium. Randy Moss had a couple touchdown grabs, I believe. That was where they broke the record for points, and um, that's the specific second quarter. All right. That Jack Strap was from 25 years ago. Very good. So, um, we'll pick them. Yeah, that's the, that's the big prize this year. We'll see what the uh, – do you have a name? Do you have anything you want to go with? I have a – no Florida State Seminole playoffs of mine. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what uh, what the name's going to be. I'm going to come up with something here. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I have it. I have an idea for one, um, and it kind of stems off of something that was said on College Game Day earlier this year. So I, I have I have an idea of a name here. Do you want me to just give it to you now? Sure. What What do you think? Well, I don't know if you heard it, but uh, like on college game day, they they were talking about Michael Penix Jr. and Desmond Howard said big. He said big penis energy. I think he meant to say RG three. He came up with that. Was it RG three? I thought it was Desmond Howard. I think he said it, but 
Right, but like oh, he he should have said big, he should have said big penix energy, but he said big penis energy. So I'm, I'm thinking I might do something along those lines. There you go, big stacking energy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, the name of the group Sports Lounge, the Golden Anniversary, I believe. Is that the correct the group the correct group name? Yeah, 50th anniversary. We've been doing this. We started it in 1973. <laughs> the 50th year we've been doing this. Well, I I can already tell you this. I've I'm, I'm got to go through. I've, I've made my picks, but I'm going to go back and, and change stuff because you always have to look at who the head coaches are that have left, like Mike Elko at Duke. How motivated is Duke going to be? Uh, how motivated is you know, A&M with Jimbo Fisher gone? I think Tulane just lost their head coach. So how motivated are they? Who's not playing in a bowl game and whatnot? Uh, so... A lot of, lot of stuff there. And also, you kind of have to factor in sometimes the travel. Like, who's traveling? Like, who, like Boston College is playing at the Fenway Bowl. How motivated are they to play at, you know, at Fenway Park? So, sport, I mean, sports are, nobody can't predict what's going on mm-hmm. or who's going to win, obviously. And then you add this crap on it. Well, okay, so who transferred and who's not going to be here and which team came yes. off their coach? And- yep. What did what that just like, oh, yeah, uh, it doesn't make any sense to begin with. And then you added all these other factors. It's like, yeah, it just... So different from even five years ago, where you knew everyone was playing. You maybe had that one or two, uh, like Christian McCaffrey, when he decided not to play in the bowl game for Stanford. That was like a wall. Like, you don't see that very often. And now it's like, it's a surprise if any big quarterback is playing in a bowl game. And you can honestly just flip a coin. Yeah. Heads is the first team, tails is the second team as they are listed, and you would probably just do as good as if you really study it and say, oh, I'm going to pick this team, mm-hmm. and this, no, this team can't lose, I'm going to give them 40 points. So. Well, join us in our Quest Bowl, uh, Capital One Bowl Mania. It starts this Saturday. It's always one of us. It is our favorite event, right? Like, this is the big one that we do. We have March Madness, of course, but this is the truly the big event that, that we do. You, know, you myself, David, uh, Charlie, Marcus, uh, Boots, I, I bet we'll get in there. Maybe Dan Beck. Oh, yeah, sure he will. <laughs> sure he will. Uh, so that's always good. Uh, did you know there were two games played at in Brookings, South Dakota? Uh, two FCS games. Apparently, somehow the Dakota Dome got moved yeah. from Vermilion to Brookings this week. That's something, though, isn't it? I know they've been doing the. I think the uh, there's another uh, interstate exit now before you get to Brookings. There on the south side, they put that in. Um, just to accommodate the traffic for the Dakota Dome when they do have two games because you've got Dykow Stadium on the north side of town mm-hmm. and the Dakota Dome, of course, is on the south side of Brookings some 90 fucking miles away, 100 miles away uh, in, in another town. In another county and a goddamn near almost another state. Hey, how does this... It's, con- always, it's always something. It is always... I don't, and, and now we know it's not just a South Dakota state... Yeah, it's a, there's a giant shit on for the entire state. Yeah. It's a, they shit on the entire Nobody's state. ever been here. Nobody knows anything outside of Mount Rushmore or probably Sioux Falls. Somebody in the back had to type that in, and they typed in Brookings, South Dakota. 
because that's where they thought the Dakota Dome is. To where if I go right now on Google and put in Dakota Dome, multi-purpose stadium in Vermilion, South Dakota. Well, this to be fair, when has USD ever been relevant in college football to be able to have that playoff game broadcast on ABC or ESPN? And then I thought, you know, with USD being good, and okay, well, it's okay, this is, well, this is a different, but there's South Dakota State, and then there's also a South Dakota. These are two different <laughs> schools. One's red, one's blue. This is, you know, this is... Fuck. You know, these are two different things, but it doesn't matter. We've been talking about this for, what, 10 years at least? Go well, back longer than that. 15, maybe. When when did we first go to... Do you, when when did they first go to the Summit League tournament? Uh, 2007, 2009. 2009. Yeah, so, I mean, this has been a long, long time. Um, Like, I don't know. I was impressed... I don't know how much did you were you able to watch much of the the game uh, the Villanova South Dakota State game. I watched some of it. I was impressed with Connor <laughs> Onion and you know Tom Luganbill. That's a guy. That's a pretty yeah. big name. You know to come into Brookings. I don't know if they will be doing the game Friday night, uh, six p.m. Central Time on ESPN two. I would think it would make sense for them. To do that, but maybe not. But What's that? It would make sense to have the same crew come back and do the same team. Yeah. By assuming they will not, because that, because it, it makes sense. That's why I don't think they'll do it. I mean, you got Roy Philpot who did the Roddy Jones. We're doing NDSU USD. NDSU just absolutely annihilated USD. And I'll be honest, I like that whole thing to me. The, I retweeted what the the NDSU men's basketball team did. Did you see what they they did after the whole ticket uh, conundrum with USD and football? Yes. And then NDSU basketball says, yeah, well, Summit League uh, conference play starts on the 29th, so we're going to do uh, playoffs, and you get $10 tickets, and they're playing USD. It's just a, one of the uh, – it's a troll move that I have to stand and applaud for uh, this Villanova-South Dakota State game, I was nervous about it because of the wind, and I think that proved to be, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of Jacks fans had reason to be concerned about that. If that game is played in ideal conditions, like 30, 35 degrees even, if the temperature was the same but the wind was maybe 5 to 10, I think SDSU rolls them. But because of the wind, it... I mean, that is a great equalizer, and the SDSU did not play good in the first half at all. They get a block punt return for a touchdown that really swung momentum in their favor, but there was a time there where it was just like, oh boy, Villanova's, they can do this here, and it's going to be because of the wind. The weather conditions are going to cost SDSU here. Yeah, they couldn't really pass it at all. They had a big pass called back. What was that uh, early third quarter? A uh, second um, quarter. Second quarter. Um, like illegal formation, I would have put it at around the ten. Yeah, and I don't think the ref even like like. Nobody knew what God. was going on. Yeah, like, yeah. Playing, what happened? What happened? Oh yeah, it was just um, Villanova's defense was very good. They couldn't run the ball until the fourth quarter. Then you know, third quarter they finally. I mean, that's their defense. Wasn't 
going to give up much. Like Villanova moved the ball better, had more yards. I mean, they played better in that. First half, SCSU was lucky to get the, get the punt return and the butt punts. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, why how that was not coined, I'm not quite sure. But Mark Sanchez probably has a trademark on that. Oh, no. Isaiah Davis saved the day, or the special team saved the day until they could finally figure it out. They will play Albany. Albany upsets Idaho. Uh, so no Jason Eck returning to Brookings here. I think SDSU should uh, trounce Albany pretty easily here. Uh, and then we'll see who they will face. It'll be either NDSU or Montana. Uh, Montana needed overtime. It feels... It, this NDSU team has played really, really well since losing the Dakota marker um, back in November. But it, it, I still, I still think SDSU would beat him. But NDSU's looked a lot better, and Montana needed overtime to beat Furman. Montana is still probably a better team than NDSU, and now you have um, their head coach, uh, what Ens is leaving to take the job at uh, the, the assistant linebacker head coach or assistant head coach on defense, linebackers coach with USC. But he's going to go through. I mean, that's a whole distraction for the team. And whatnot. I mean, he's going to be here for that run, but that's just another added layer. You just, I, I, to me, it kind of reminds me of a couple years ago when, um, when SDSU went out to Montana State and all the the rumors were kind of swirling around. Oh, is Jason Eck leaving and whatnot? And SDSU, granted, they had had to play multiple games on the road, multiple different time zones and whatnot. Um, but they, they lost that game to Montana State, and then it was announced right after it, oh, X leaving for Idaho. And you just kind of wonder if, you know, the, the players obviously have had to have known that prior to, but did that, was that a result, did that contribute to the result that we saw in that game against Montana State? I wonder can't, if... Can't, the, can't there be a rule? Can't these schools and coaches wait until after the season is done? I mean, you would think so, but it's a recruiting trend. It's all about recruiting. Oh, we got to hit the transfer portal. Then move the fucking recruiting thing back to goddamn March. I don't think this is really... I, I mean, he probably is going to help USC's defense some, but not a ton. I mean, I, who they, who they, I think they hired, whoever they hired as their defense coordinator, I forget. So it's got to get better. So, yeah, hire this guy. But it's just a disservice to, you know, oh, you know, oh, I hope my players stay in this transfer portal so terrible. No, these coaches are going to leave for millions of dollars, and they're not going to give a goddamn mm-hmm. where they go. Well, yeah, I was here. They don't care. And they might take some players with them, or they'll take coaches with them, or they'll take something with them. Yeah. Like, we don't care. They're just out for themselves. You know, it's – so if you're a player, yeah, don't feel bad at all by fucking transferring out. Go, go where you can play. Go where you can make some money. Because nine times out of ten, your coach is going to leave at some point, and they're not going to give a shit. They're going to let you – and before the season's done, they're going to be saying bye. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Goodbye. So yeah, SCSU will beat the shit out of Albany. I hope I, I I prefer to play North Dakota State. They haven't played anybody. No, they haven't played anybody since then. I mean, mm-hmm. they play you know, USD and everybody. I know they haven't played anybody serious. So yeah, like if you can continue to win national titles and embarrass your biggest rival on national television, 
in front of a couple million people, by all means, go go and do that. Because people know who North Dakota State is. And they're starting to know who South Dakota State is. Yep. But if you can play them on TV every year and beat them by three, four touchdowns, do that. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, listen, you no, got no some... trouble beating North Dakota State. And if it... North Dakota State gets that far. Montana may be a different story, but yeah, they well, they've beaten the Bison what five five times in a row. Yep. Make it six in a row. Yep. Yeah. Well, Andy, you got some free publicity on Sunday because Easton Stick had to come in for an injured Justin Herbert for the Chargers, and uh, so people are like, "Who's this Easton Stick?" And they're like, "Oh, he was the quarterback between Carson Wentz and Trey Lance. Oh, interesting. He went to North Dakota." Well, State. that's a situation. Or yes, you should say where he went to college. You should say he never played before. Yes, you can say, "All right, here's this guy," uh, and he went to North Dakota State. Yep. Yep. Um, re- briefly, back to the bowl games. Uh, this, you know, we have what six, seven bowl games here this week. Uh, what are you, uh, you, you confident in any of these bowl games here? Like, what, what's the confidence points at for some of these? Oh, I'm confident in that celebration bowl. I'll tell you how much. Yeah, you've done that to me before, and then I went high, and you went low, or vice. I went low, and you went high. But I, I also, I think I'm going to go Florida A and M with quite a few confidence points. I'm going to M 43 the most. Whoa, okay. All right. Um, I like South Alabama. I guess that's next Saturday. Um, all these other games, you know, I like to get off the big start. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever won the, the bowl pick. And usually it's Charlie or Drew. Are you you're in there? Yeah, Drew, is, Drew has had the, the consistent uh, top two top three. I don't know why. I think it's how stupid it is. It's a favorite thing. Um, yeah, none of these games on Saturday stick out. No. Like, none of them I can say, oh, yeah, this, no. So, all, you know, 10, 10 points, under 10 points. Because none of these, I don't feel confident in many of them. So, and then there's not much to, much to watch here. It's not, not an appealing schedule whatsoever. Right. Nope, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Uh, final thing for me, I guess, here for this week, and then uh, if you have anything else that we need to get to here, uh, congrats to the Lakers for winning the NBA in-season tournament uh, game against Indiana. Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers, a fun watch, apparently. Uh, the Lakers, uh, I uh, reportedly plan to hang the banner that honors the NBA Cup win. This is a franchise, a historic franchise that has won how many NBA Championships, and they've had so many great players from Magic Johnson to what, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and you got Kobe Bryant and Shaq, and you know LeBron's on them now, and, and they decide that they want to hang this NBA Cup win. Go go to hell, and when you go to hell, say hello to Art Bryles. Like this is so stupid for the Lakers to do. They want to make this a thing, and. Some people really I, like it. I think yeah. it's. I think we both are in agreement that it's dumb. Like, I guess you know, numbers were good, better than just a normal game. You know, Tyrese Halliburton kind of became a star. So, like, you know, people can, you know, hey, Tyrese Halliburton's good. Like, I, like, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Possibly give a shit. I mean, how could you? How could you possibly give it? Like, I didn't watch a fucking second of the champ. Me right? either. Lakers, Pacers, great. 
And I'm going to guess Lakers are going to go on a losing streak now. Like, oh, they're going to try hard to win this in-season tournament thing. Like, that fucking matters. And then, oh, then they'll all got to go to with the uh, uh, load management when, when the games don't actually matter anymore. So, yeah, couldn't, couldn't give any less of a shit. It's like Mike Breen was saying like, during one of the semifinals. Oh, the crowds have been so Sacramento's crowd was just electric and the Pacers just had this amazing crowd. Like, they're trying to make this something. I did um, hear that the crowds were better than a regular season game, but not, like, it was between playoff and regular season. So it's not quite good enough for the playoffs, but it's better than a regular season game. Well, if it's not quite playoff, then why do I give a shit? Yeah, well, good for the Pacers to kind of like them because they score a bunch of points. And, yeah, good for them to make the finals. And they were the Indiana Pacers were an exciting I think they've got the lowest payroll in the league. And they got a lot of good young players. So good for them. I feel like Denver wasn't in it. You know, Milwaukee and Boston both lost in the you know, quarterfinal semifinals. And I saw that the the one semifinal started at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I was like, you want people to watch this between the Pacers and the uh, Celtics or whatever the hell it was? Bucks? Yep. You're going to put this on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 2 o'clock local time? Like, why why, why did you need that? Well, and then they switched networks, too, because ESPN had the first semifinal and TNT had the second semifinal, and then ABC had it on. Like, like just put and it on. And then, like, you know, Charles Barkley was on ESPN, and, like, the other crews were on each other's networks. Yeah, yep. And that just makes ESPN just look so terrible. Oh, yes. With all we get, we actually have the good show. We actually have the good guys. We have the inside the NBA guys on to show how fucking terrible your stupid ass is. And that means so, we have I to listen know. to um, hear more of Stephen A. Smith talk. I, I don't need to hear it. Well, thumbs down for me. It's like, no. The court was ridiculous. Yes. Everything about it is just so fake. You couldn't even tell. The few highlights that I saw of the semifinals in the championship game at the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas there, you couldn't tell how many fans were in the stands because it was so dark. So dark. Why did the goddamn crowd? I want to see some stuff. So it was... I'm sure this will get bigger and bigger and they'll add more. There were no NBA games on Monday. There were no games on Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. There were just the like the whole week. They had like the whole week was basically just these games. Like, why does that have to happen? Well, and after the semifinals were decided, or the quarterfinals, I guess the final eight teams, like the bracket was set. Then they added two games for like each team that wasn't playing it. So like Minnesota got yeah, Minnesota got San Antonio and Memphis added on Wednesday and Friday. But uh, how does that happen? Is that based on who they played or what bracket they or what pod they played in? I don't think so. I think it's teams in the league. I beats the hell out of me. I have no idea. So they do that. It's like sorry, you can't play games all and and no other game could go on when these games were going on. Mm -hmm. It was just they want to make it into something. I'm sure it'll get bigger. Well, I'll never care about it because what. Me oh, too. I, I'm right there with you. I'm air five in you on that take because, yeah, that it doesn't matter how big it gets. No thank you. I mean, maybe if the Wolves are in it, I'll watch a little bit, but I'm just watching for the Wolves 
not for like any reason. This is like highly unlikely the Wolves will ever be this good. Yeah, later in the season, don't have it now. We're twenty games in. Who could give a shit? Right. It, it's a it's an in season tournament. Well, it's a like barely in season tournament. It's just circle and then just. Dude. And it's like, oh, we only play it on Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever. It's, so you're, you're, you're playing it, and then you're not playing it, yep. and then you're back to it. It's just, like, are we supposed to care about this more? Are you supposed to play harder? Is this a way to make sure your stars are actually playing? Because it's so ridiculous how much they sit. I don't know. It's just terrible. It is. Uh, that's it for me. Anything else for you? For, before we say so long for the week. About it. Got bas- more basketball. Got a game tomorrow. Got two games Friday, two games Saturday, and then we got to break the the end of the year. So, yeah, a lot of basketball for a week, so good to get back into that. Very good. Well, good luck with all the calls and any travel that you have. Uh, maybe try and catch... I don't, I, don't have, I don't have a road game until, like, January 12th. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they, they booked all the... Or they, they scheduled all the home games for you this year. Oh, that, that's eight, good for you. Eight straight for the boys will be eight straight at home. All right. Hey. <laughs> Somebody from the NBA or NFL's putting this together. I didn't I didn't put together the Mitchell Colonel's uh, basketball schedule this year, I can assure you. That. Okay, so what fucking sense does it make if you're the NFL? Why in the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles schedule, why in the fuck would you schedule four straight games against the Cowboys the Chiefs, the Bills, and the 49ers. And then the Cowboys again. Five straight games against these marquee teams. Like, why the fuck would you do that? The November sweeps? Uh, just get them oh, in. Aaron. I don't I don't know. I, I, don't have a, I don't have an answer for you on that. And then you have a stretch where you play... Tampa Bay, Washington, the Rams, and the Jets. Oh, and oh, this is the Eagles' final three games. So they play at Seattle this week here. Should win that one. Their final three games, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. Fantastic. Just. <laughs> doesn't make sense. It does. Stupid. Stupid. It does not. Well. We're not playing. We're not doing these two division games in three weeks. That should be. Outlawed. Why would you do that? No, because it matters when you when you play these teams. Yes. Yep. I know. Did you play this team when they had their quarterback or when they didn't? Mm-hmm. So it's and may I say is I watched Gordon Love on that spring air. Like he's good. Like the Packers did it again. They got a good quarterback. He's probably not going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's going to be good enough. And you see what the Vikings have in front of them. Do we sign? I mean, they're, they're going to sign Kirk Cousins for like a three-year deal. That's good. He was playing MVP level stuff, uh, right. football here before the injury. And then, then you look at what the Packers do. Like, well, you know, Favre can keep playing. But we're going to, we're going to, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Well, we'll draft him. He falls to us. We'll pick him up. He'll sit on the bench for three years. And, you know, Rodgers. Like Rodgers could still be with the Packers. Mm-hmm. We're going to pick this Jordan Love. He's going to sit on the bench for a couple of years, and then we're going to move on. And it's just two completely different ways of doing things. And you've got the Vikings here, 
and they didn't take anybody last year. And you would think they would take somebody this. With that, like I, I would prefer, I would probably prefer Jaden Daniels. Oh my God! Wouldn't that be great? Oh. You know, you kind of see, you kind of see what. What you know? Uh, what Dobbs did when he could run a little bit, and they haven't had that with Cousins. And you, and you feel, what's the difference? What what? What's that running thing with Cousins, where he just can't run? Yep. Oh my God, Jaden Daniels would be great. Oh man, I love that thought. I really do. Oh. So you do that, you know. Caleb Williams is going to go one. Drake May is going to go two. You got Michael. You know, I don't want Bo Nix. You know, Michael Penix. I could live with that. This is um, a deep quarterback draft, and you'll probably be picking like seven, 16th or 17th. Well, Jaden Daniels could be there at 16, or it wouldn't cost as much to, to move up for him. So. Oh, it would not create enough, so and, 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 and he, he could sit him on the bench for a couple of years. But it's just two different philosophies of how the Packers have done things and how the Vikings look. The Vikings have drafted what, Ponder and Culpepper. And Tavares Jackson was a second round pick. Oh, you're talking first round, okay. And yeah, that one then Jackson the second round as far as guys who they drafted with the thought of Yeah, they're gonna be our starter here for the next few years. Mm-hmm. So it's just two different ways of going about it. And yeah, I, I didn't think Jordan Love would be worth a damn at all, but he's been He's been excellent. Like, the Packers will have that one bad year. Like, Rodgers' first year wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last year was pretty bad. But they'll have that one bad year and then 10 good years. And where they might win a Super Bowl in one of those 10 good years. And the Vikings just kind of stick around. They never have that one bad year. So, oh, we're bad because we're building for something. And, you know, it's... It sucks. Well, you have a great rest of your week. Uh, good luck with all the games, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right. I'll see you later. Travis Quinn's joining me here. Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, a major baseball. Baseball heavy here this week with all of the, uh, yeah, with the big, just absolutely incredible uh, the Shohei Otani deal. We're going to talk a little more college uh, college football here coming up, though. Uh, we're going to talk with Charlie Hildebrand here, get his thoughts. We'll get his thoughts on Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman, and we'll make some picks for this week's bowl games, Capital One Bowl Mania. Again, you can get in on the fun with, uh, with Charlie and Travis and Marcus and David and myself. Uh, just go, uh, you know, on ESPN, the uh, Capital One Bowl Mania, and the group is the Sports Lounge, uh, just Sports Lounge, space hyphen, space the golden anniversary. So go make your picks, join us, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it makes, makes bowl season a little more bearable, shall we say. But coming up next here, Charlie Hildebrand. Picking some bowl games, and we'll see what else we talk about here as we uh, finish up on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and archive or archive.org and iTunes. Just search Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and Facebook Nathan Stacken. Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Crins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Bowl picks next with Charlie Hildebrand coming up on the Sports Block Podcast.
We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and it is Capital One Bull Mania Week. At least it's the beginning. It's actually two plus weeks, really, but it is bull season, and lots to talk about. Some we got some bull games to predict, and who better to do that with than my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, resident college football expert Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how we doing? I'm good, although I think I'm going to enter the transfer portal. I don't know why. I just kind of want to see what options are out there. That's fair. Um, this is uh, this is always our big event here. The Capital One or the yeah the Bull Pick'em and whatnot. Uh, I think you had some pretty good success last year, if I recall correctly, right? Or is that two years I ago? I will be honest. I remember. I do love doing this. I don't remember how good or bad my final results were. Well, I'm a, this year. I feel like it is especially all, hard. All my football gambling memories are back on uh, really sweating out that Iowa Rutgers under about oh. a month ago now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> hey, understood. That, that scratched a lot of stuff out of my brain, focusing <laughs> in on that. Well, before we get to some bowl picks here, a few uh, housekeeping items or a few items that we need to take care of. Jaden Daniels wins the Heisman Trophy, uh, quarterback from LSU. Was that the right call, and is that who you would have voted for? I think it's a good call. I mean, right call's tough because, you know, it gets into what do you believe. Mm-hmm. I think if we're just going to go with who was the most fantastic, that probably is the right answer. I think if you want to bring better team success into it and wanted to say it was Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr., I think those would both be good guess or good choices, too. I think any of those three would be great. Or, I mean, even if you wanted to say Marvin Harrison Jr., I think he also would be. I think they all would have been good options. I get why Daniels wanted that he was so incredibly good and that at times LSU just lost when he wasn't on the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have any quarrels with that. I was a little surprised that Penix finished second in the uh, in the voting, and Bo Nix was third. I mean, this was a relatively cl- close uh, race of for Heisman Trophy standards. Even though, I mean, uh, Daniels won fairly comfortably, but it was closer than what we've seen some of these recent um, races come down to. But I thought, and I understand why people would maybe look towards Penix Jr. because Washington was undefeated and Oregon had two losses, both to Washington. But if you look at the stats and just looked at how consistent the quarterback play was throughout the year, I thought Nix was more consistent than Penix. And I would have put Nix two to Daniels. But, I mean, that's just a minor, um, minor complaint that I had with the voting. I mean, he probably would have finished second if he would have beat Washington the second time. Yeah. And I think, as we know, the far the more years that happen, the more uh, recency bias we fall into. And I think that, you know, Penix, while I mean, he didn't have like a lights-out game, Penix played well, and they beat Oregon for the second time and won the Pac-12 title. And a lot of people, I think, are just like, well, that's that. Mm-hmm. Daniels yeah. won, Penix two, Nick's three. Yeah. Yep. I, again, I don't like. I, I think you, if you you could have you would have been okay with any of the um, guys who won it. Um, so this was a. I think this was one a, a very good Heisman class 
this year uh, to vote for or vote from. And so congratulations to Jaden Daniels from LSU. And he could probably thank his defense for being so atrocious, for for forcing him to put up all these good stats. <laughs> True. And every time they gave up points fast, I just let him get back on the field fast. He did. You know? Yeah. You have three short possessions on defense. That could add to three extra possessions for you in a game. It sure could, and I think that means maybe that's a conspiracy theory to get him the Heisman. There you go. Also, it could be. You want, we want to stick with the SEC stuff, you know. But it's also one of the reasons why I had LSU in the playoff at the beginning of the year because I knew what Daniels could do for that offense. I just thought their defense would be a little better. I think everybody thought their defense would be a little better. Yeah. Very true. Very true point. A uh, number of guys have gone or have entered the transfer portal. Some have landed certain places. Is there one uh, or are there a couple of signings that uh, have surprised you or that you think is, oh, that's a great fit, him going to this particular school? Um, I've seen some of them. I honestly don't remember most of them off the top of my head. I know Duke's quarterback's going to – uh, is it? I Notre, forget. Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yes. I think. Yep, Riley Leonard. Which, great pickup for Notre Dame. I totally get that if you're Notre Dame also. Being like, oh, hey, he's good. We saw him in person against us. We need a new quarterback now that GQ model, Sam Hartman's going to be gone for us. Why not take Riley Leonard? So right. I think that makes sense. Um, I know Kyle McCord's leaving Ohio State. And some people thought he might go to Nebraska. Apparently, it sounds like he's definitely not going to Nebraska now. Um, I don't know where he goes, but certainly I think he could be successful somewhere because even though he's the worst Ohio State courting, the starting quarterback in a decade, he'd still probably be better than 70% of the starting quarterbacks in FBS football. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know just watching TV now on uh, Wednesday night, a little inside baseball there, that Texas's backup quarterback, Malik Murphy's transferring. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where he's going, but obviously that'll be another uh, and, big one. And he will not be, the reports are that he will not be the college football backup uh, or in the college football playoff. So that. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know if he can be. I mean, if you're transferring, I don't know if a school's going to be like, yeah, we definitely right. want you to not be here until the middle of January. I tell you another. And I think part of that is just the way. The weird college football calendar is that, I don't know, it's, I, we probably don't want to get into a long debate about this, but just that it's weird that with an early signing period, that's like, oh, hey, guess what? You have to do all this recruiting, you know, especially like, hey, right now, well, you got to be getting ready for bowl games still. Yep. And some teams for playoff stuff, it's just a weird, I don't know, it seems dumb and they can put that at a better time. The other signing that I think is a just a fantastic uh, signing is Dylan Gabriel going from Oklahoma to Oregon. I think that is a... Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. That is... I, I, Oregon is not going to drop off very much in terms of the, the quarterback play. Gabriel is tremendous. Um, so I really, really like that move for the Ducks. Although the weird thing is he's leaving the Big 12 to not go to the SEC to go to a Pac-12 team that's now in the Big Ten, which is a long, convoluted way of saying he will play tougher defenses than he did in the Big 12 whether he stayed in Oklahoma 
going to the SEC mm-hmm. or going to Oregon, who's now going to be in the Big Ten. Right. I mean, that's not to say, like, I think he's going to be terrible or anything, but I think that he will not put up the same level of numbers. And I'm not saying that to knock him, I just, or even that he will be bad. Mm-hmm. He will just be more, he'll probably be more efficient, but less gaudy, I suppose. Sure. No, I think that, that makes sense. So, uh, but those are definitely two of the biggest ones. And then at the FCS level, the semifinals are this week. SDSU won a close one against Villanova. The weather is a great, a great equalizer, and certainly the wind was a factor for that one. And you also have the Bison just steamrolling through USD. Curious uh, if you were cheering for USD or if you wanted NDSU to win that one, because it's a, it's a lesser of two evils, I guess, in that one. But Boy, NDSU is looking really good right now. I don't like either of them, and I wish they both could lose. Knowing that that's not a possibility, I wanted USD to win. Because I know that North Dakota State would hate losing the USD more than vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I feel better about SDSU's chances beating USD than I do North Dakota State. I Not that I don't think they can beat either of them. I think they can, and in theory, should beat both. Mm-hmm. But... With North Dakota State, there's just more of that, like, I don't know for sure, where I think with USD, it being their first time going that far and some of that stuff and how easily SDSU won the first one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that they would just blow their doors off again, but would be like, oh, yeah, I feel good about this. And obviously, there's a lot of time to come between now and the national title game in Frisco. It could be that neither SDSU or North Dakota State wins. Right. But... If they both go, and I think there's a good chance they will both go, it'll be like, yeah, I mean, I would favor SDSU, but I would imagine it'll be a dogfight game. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I think I would I would have rather played USD because I would feel far more confident playing USD than I would NDSU. I still feel confident that the Jacks are by far the best team in college football at the FCS level, but... The way NDSU is looking here. I mean, here. shit, they're one of the best college football teams, period. They'd probably be ranked in the top 30 if they were an FBS team. I think the Sagarin so rankings good. have that. So, yeah, I think SDSU would be, like, top 30, top 35. So I mean, yeah, like, I don't, I don't think they'd make a serious run at the playoffs. But no, if but, they were a group of five team, I think there's a good chance they'd be the group of five team playing a New Year's Six game. They could be, like, a Toledo. Or yeah. uh, like uh, you know Liberty, you know. Can you imagine them in Conference USA? They'd roll through everyone. It, yeah, agreed. Um, so SDSU plays Albany Friday night, seven p.m. Eastern, six p.m. Central Time on ESPN two. They are twenty-one point favorite. I the weather seems like it's going to be good. We're not uh, you know forecasting any big winds or bad weather. So I am fairly confident that SDSU is going to. Uh, be making its way down to Frisco here in a few weeks. I would agree with that. I don't think they're going to roll to like a 50-7 to seven win. By any I, I agree with that. I think they're going to win more comfortably than they did last week. That They'll probably be up like, I don't know, 10 or 13 at halftime mm-hmm. in a game where like they look fairly good, look better, but it's still sort of close. And pull away, and I would say win by roughly what the spread is, you know, win by 20 or 24. And we have, in a game where it's just like, oh, yeah, I mean, they're better. They played well. They didn't play perfectly. There's things that they can work on, but they definitely look really good. 
And are we both in agreement that that game with Villanova was only as close as it was because of the wind? Like, I feel like if the if it was in ideal conditions, like, you know, 35 degrees with 5 to 10 mile an hour winds, SDSU probably wins that game by 17 points. Um, yeah, I think that that's probably true. I'd probably agree with that. So, uh, their offense... In either way, yeah. I think Villanova... I think if you played Villanova and Albany both at times, both in bad weather and both in, like, a dome, mm-hmm. that Villanova would have more close games than Albany would. Yes. I also think it's possible that South Dakota State murders Villanova a few more times than they just straight-up murder Albany, if that makes sense. I, yeah. think, I think Villanova's more feastered famine. Yep. And that they, they basically got a lot of the stars to align and got one of their feast games and still lost. Well, Albany's got a pretty good defense uh, by the, the ranking metrics and, and whatnot, but um, the, they haven't seen a team quite like SDSU. So uh, this will be a... It'll be a bit of a challenge, and SDSU's offense cannot get off to the slow start that it has that it did last week. But um, I feel in far more confident against Albany than I was against Villanova, and that was before the weather um, kind of threw it threw a wrench into things. But should be good there. So good luck to the Jacks, and uh, honestly, I would prefer Montana. Um, but you know, if they play, very much so agree. If they play, I hope Montana beats North Dakota State. I hope North Dakota State can't go on the road and win again. I know that they've done it though. They keep doing it, and you know the only thing is if they do, if the two teams are meeting again in Frisco, and SDSU could beat them again, that would just be great. But sometimes you just don't really want to risk it. So um, I agree. This is also going to sound really bad. I would rather South Dakota State lose on Saturday than make the national title game and lose to North Dakota State. Agreed. Agreed. Um, if it's losing to Montana, I'd be like, okay, that sucks, but I can live with that. I, I don't have any interest in them losing to NDSU in the oh, title game. Uh, 100,000% agree. 100,000%. Uh, Matt Entz, the NDSU head coach, is leaving to take some convoluted title with USC. It's like he's the assistant linebackers coach or assistant head coach on the defensive coordinator linebackers coach. Like it's, it's weird thing. He's going to help the USC defense. I think he will help the USC defense. Uh, What, any thoughts on that move? I'm surprised he's leaving for essentially just a position coach with a fancy title. Even though obviously it's a, level up, but I mean, I'm just trying to think. I don't remember a time that, I mean, I'm not saying it's never happened, but I don't remember an FCS coach leaving to be like a position coach somewhere. I can think of times where I've heard it where it happens, they go to be a coordinator somewhere, or obviously be a coordinator of like the NFL or something. Mm-hmm. But to go from head coach down to just position coach, mm-hmm. that's strange, but you know, I don't know how much he's getting paid. You know, USC's a private school, so I don't think they have to release in their yearly stuff how much he's getting paid. Right. Maybe he's getting paid more, and if not, I mean, maybe he likes better weather. Certainly he's going to deal with a lot more better weather, I mean, except for some of the Big Ten road games USC has to play in. But. Right. Well, that would be about the equivalent, though, to playing Youngstown State there for the Bison or playing in uh, Springfield. Uh with Missouri. Yep. 
So Stay instead, tuned. they get to play Ohio State and Columbus now. Right, right. Unfortunately, may have to go to New Jersey, but to play Rutgers, but that'll happen only once every like four years. So, not a huge deal. Not a huge deal at all. Uh, anything else we need to get to before we make some bowl picks here? The only other thing um, is that I do, mm-hmm. as uh, maybe you do also, I know some people who are USD fans. Mm-hmm. And I have heard a couple of USD fans essentially say after the game was over, in some shape or form, like, oh, I thought USD was going to win. They beat North Dakota State the first time. I can't believe that we just got smoked by North Dakota State. And part of me, you know, in, in you know, semi-quoting Game of Thrones, was just like, oh, my sweet summer child. You just don't you, – you're not aware of North Dakota State in the playoffs. Yeah. And you and I as SDSU fans. Yes. I, I, I mean, I don't know if I thought that they were just going to straight up murder USD like that so quickly. But if you would have been like, oh, North Dakota State's going to win by 10 in Vermillion, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I buy that. That totally makes sense. This is what North Dakota State does. Mm. It's whenever you're like, hey – we're going to beat them in the playoffs. So just like, guess what? You're not. We have five secret aces up our sleeve. Who is the po- and it's one of the many reasons I hate them. Who is the postseason pedigree and who's the newcomer here? And also, which school kind of screwed the other school out of playoff tickets? Because and like the whole ticket uh, conundrum. That's oh, right. I, I forgot pissed, about that. You know, pissed off. I don't know if that had any effect on the team. I think it may have had. A little bit, but I think NDSU is just so much better than USD at this stage of the game. I doubt it had any effect. I bet most of them didn't even know. They're players who were insulated in their own world and couldn't have cared less. Probably. I bet North Dakota State thought it was funny afterwards when they found out about it. But. Yep. Nope, I agree. But let's make some picks here. We got uh, We got six bowl games on Saturday. And then we'll pick uh, Monday and Tuesday of next week, and then hopefully uh, we can uh, our paths can cross next week sometime, and we can pick the bowl games for for next week as well, and in a few days after uh, Christmas as well, if that works for you and your schedule. But um, let's start with the Myrtle Beach Bowl on Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central Time. On ESPN, six and six Georgia Southern from the Sun Belt against nine and three Ohio out of the MAC. Georgia Southern is a three and a half point favorite. Who do you like in this game, and how many confidence points are you going with? I've got it pulled up here. I've got Georgia Southern, one of the twenty percent of people on ESPN that have Georgia Southern. I only have two confidence points now, so I'm not very confident. Okay. I have Ohio, and I have 18 points. This is a very... I did not like a lot of the matchups this year in trying to figure out, uh, like, the rate... Like, really, from 31 to 9 or 10, it's like, I I have no idea how to how to go about these rankings. I really don't. It's the same with me. Did, did, did this happen to you? This happens to me each year. Is I picked seven or eight I feel good about and move them really high. Mm-hmm. I picked seven or eight I have no idea or I'm picking a big upset, move them really low. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the new ones and I'm like, yeah, that's a bit too high or that's a bit too low and move a little bit around. And then I'm just like, yeah, that's probably good. So like I don't go through and I'm like, well, is this a 19 or a 17? It's more like I just move about 10 around on each side. And then just I'm like, yeah, that's probably about right. I always try and look too at who's got the uh, the coaching changes, the head coaching changes, because that affects sometimes the team's um, 
wanting to be at a bowl game. And also now uh, transferring. Who's transferring out and whatnot and who's playing in the bowl game and who's not. So uh, that is certainly a factor here as well. This game does not have much of that, but I'm just going with uh, Ohio to, to come away with the victory. Uh, does Georgia Southern still run like a triple option or like a, a option-style offense? I know that coach isn't there anymore. Okay. I forget if... Is Clay Helton still the head coach at Georgia oh, Southern? God, I don't even remember anymore yeah. who it is. Oh, man. that's a Yeah, I, I think you might be right there. Because it, it was Clay Helton last year, I know, when they beat Nebraska and got Scott Frost fired. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if he's still there, though. Okay. That's a good call. Good call there. Um, Cricket Celebration Bowl. It's 6-5 and five Howard from the MEAC against... F- 11-1 Florida A&M from the SWAC. Noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time on ABC. This is being played in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Charlie, how many confidence points do you have on this one? Well, you'll probably be stunned to hear I have 11-1 Florida A&M winning. And in my all, every year protest pick, it's not a real bowl game because yep. they're not FBS teams. It's got one confidence point. I I, I would put it much higher than that, but also this is my uh, being esoteric, nitpicking, and nope. you know. Listen, I I completely agree with that, uh, and I normally go that same route as you. And I feel a little different. I actually, in other years, didn't even pick it. It just took it as a one-point oh, loss. Sure. Yep. But yep. this year, they forced me to. Oh, yeah. They would could... not let me save it unless I picked all forty-three games. Yep. I saw that as well. I was like, God dang. Um, Thanks what? a lot, Biden. I'm kidding. Yeah, I don't right. like politics. Yeah. This um... is not a, a positive or negative statement on our president or about politics. <laughs> right. Um, normally, I am in full agreement with you. I don't pick these games very high and I had Florida A&M and I still will likely pick them but I did see a Sports Center segment uh, Stan Verrett who I believe is a Howard grad interviewing Howard's head coach and like okay Howard did play Northwestern and they've had a you know you know they've, they've had some games that they've Played. I mean, they're probably better than their six and five record is, but they're only four and one against the Miac. Like, how good is the Miac? I mean, it's very. Like, there's not very many good teams. I have Florida A and M, and I have it for 38 confidence points. I I normally am in the same boat as you, but I I I went I went a different route this year. Uh, so so please don't think less of me. Disappointed, stack it. I know. I, 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 that's why I was just going to say, please don't think less of me because I I'm am... I'm sitting here playing on hard difficulty and you're cheating left and right. <laughs> uh, they lost to Eastern Michigan by 10 and Northwestern by 3. So, I mean, that's not bad. True, but Northwestern lost to Nebraska, so how embarrassing is that? Oh, right. <laughs> how about the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl? I always like to see when these bowl games are played because you can almost set your clock to several bowl games being played on this specific day, this specific time. This and normally the New Orleans Bowl was one of those games played at like eight o'clock at night on ESPN. A late late bowl game is like the last bowl game of the day. They've moved it this year up to 
uh, 1.15 p.m. Central Time, 2.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. 8-4 Jacksonville State from uh, Conference USA against 6-6 six six Louisiana from the Sun Belt. Charlie, who do you like in this game and how many confidence points? I pick Jacksonville State. I only have four confidence points, though. Okay, see, I... I like that uh, choice. I have Jacksonville State winning as well, and I don't really like it. But I, I put twenty two on Jacksonville State. I it's just these these matchups are very difficult to kind of rank. But uh, but that's what I got. It, we'll we'll see if it fluctuates at all. But that's what I have right now. So we both have Jacksonville State winning and that one. Ultimately, like I to be just full disclosure, I know less about the group of five teams. Oh, I know yes. virtually nothing about Louisiana or Jacksonville State. Right. And, okay. I mean, I'm sure if I want, you know, you can look and you can pull up Vegas lines and read stuff about them to learn more, but I generally only do that with the schools I know more about. I agree. And well, if there were yep. 17 bowl games, I'd do that, but with 43, it's like, I don't want to do this for, <laughs> for 80. Or I yep. guess 42 teams because one of them's the national title Yes. Game. But yep. doing that for 84 teams is like, that seems like a lot of work. Yep. Nope. I. So I have been. I'm going with the team for a bit with a better record, but also only putting four points on it. I I am in agreement with you. I totally understand where you're coming from. I think I might flip my next two games around in in terms of the points, but right now uh, the avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl in Orlando, Florida, features 11 and two Miami of Ohio. Um, winners of the MAC championship game, they will take on Appalachian State, eight and five from the Sun Belt. Uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Eastern or Central Time on ABC. App State is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, which really, again, the, the point spread doesn't really mean much of anything at the, like for bowl season. But, uh, Charlie, who do you like in this game and how many confidence points? I think what you said has a lot of truth to that. But also, I picked App State for five points solely because I saw that Las Vegas had a favor. Okay. I have App State for 24 points, so I'm going for broke here on uh, on Saturday. This is going to put me in a really good spot, or it's going to put me in a bad spot. But I, but Miami's quarterback Blaine Gabbert's um, brother, I believe it is, uh, quarterback from Miami of Ohio, is injured and not playing, according to reports. So that makes me think that App State's the should be they should be favored. I think they'll win. And I have them for 24 confidence points. Nice. Look at you. That's over halfway. It is. I think 20, what is all it would be? 21 and a half would be the midway point. So if you got anything is 22 points or more, that technically means you're most, or not most, but more confident as opposed to less confident. Yes. Yes. And so far, my lowest one right now out of the four games we've picked is 18 points. So, I, like I said, I'm going. It is worth noting, like this is where I think these games that people don't know as much about. This is where you can really make hay with these. Is these yes. smaller ones? Yes. The Isleta New Mexico Bowl. This is a new uh, sponsor. It's Isleta, Isleta, whatever it is. Uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, ten and four New Mexico State against eight and four Fresno State. 5.45 p.m. Eastern, 4.40 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. New Mexico State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you uh, like in this one? 
I've got New Mexico State. This one is for 18 points. So under the 21 and a half confidence one, but higher. I don't know. I just got a sense for New Mexico State. I don't have any great reasoning for it. I mean, it honestly might be because 10 wins is more than 8 wins, yep. which is also kind of dumb because they both have the same amount of losses. But sometimes your dumb brain wins out over your smart brain. Diego Pavia is a very good quarterback for New Mexico State. And Jerry Kill, the head coach, former Gophers head coach, has done a marvelous job kind of resurrecting this uh program which was down in the dumps for many many years for that reason alone i like them to beat fresno state uh though fresno state's got a pretty good quarterback um uh, their backup quarterback i know is entering the transfer portal maybe going to minnesota but uh we'll roll with new mexico state with 31 confidence points i mean it's only fair if jerry kills leaving uh minnesota that new mexico state's backup quarterback leaves to go to minnesota then well, it's Fresno State's backup quarterback. What's that? It's Fresno State's backup quarterback. Whoops, missed that. Misheard what you said. <laughs> Scratch what I said from the record. Okay, all right. Okay, we, you know what? I'm still it. counting it. Why not? Okay. <laughs> he played New Mexico State, which has the connection to Minnesota. Yes. Therefore, that's how Circle gets the square. It does. It's a six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, how about the Starco Brands LA Bowl, seven and five UCLA from I should say New Mexico State's from Conference USA, Fresno State from the Mountain West for that uh, New Mexico Bowl. In the Starco Brands LA Bowl, we have seven and five UCLA from the Pac-12, soon to be Big Ten, and Boise State eight and five from the Mountain West. Seven thirty p.m. Eastern, six thirty p.m. Central Time on ABC. UCLA is a four-point favorite. Charlie, uh, who do you like in this one? I don't feel super great about this one. If I remember right, I think both teams had their coaches fired this year. Yes. So no, 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 no. Isn't Chip Chip Kelly still there? No, is he still there? I think maybe it was just that he was on the hot seat. I couldn't remember. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I guess he is still there. Well, Boise State's got fired. Yes. Anyways, I had UCLA winning anyways, but only for seven points. I don't feel great about this one. Because the other thing with fired coaches, too, is sometimes if a coach gets fired but you still go to a bowl game, like there's the weird, like, oh, no, they're actually playing even better because the guys really like this assistant coach mm-hmm. and want him to get the head coaching job. Now, if we're talking like a big, big-time bowl game, I don't think that's going to work. But yep. obviously, when UCLA and Boise State are playing on the first Saturday of bowl game or a bowl season, that's not one of the primo ones. So... One of, it's tough to yeah. say, but like I said, I've got UCLA, but only for seven points. One of the other factors I look at, too... Well, it, it, okay, so f- first, before I get to that factor, both team starting quarterbacks are in the transfer portal. So that is an interesting note in and of itself. Taylor Green for Boise State and uh, Moore, I believe, is the uh, quarterback's name for UCLA. At least... What I'm seeing here is that they're both in the transfer portal. Boise State, the assistant or the interim head coach, I believe now has gotten the full-time gig because he did lead Boise State to a Mountain West championship win over UNLV. So I feel like there's more, there's better vibes with Boise State right now. UCLA's been very up and down this year. The other factor for me that I sometimes look at is what's the distance 
to like your bowl game? Like, how far are you? Do you have to travel? Um, New Mexico State, you know, Las Cruces to Albuquerque, not the furthest one, a big whoop, but it's still okay. We have to travel a bit. UCLA does not have to travel very far to Inglewood, California. Was that ten minutes from Pasadena? I mean, it depends how bad traffic True. is, but maybe that's only half an hour or forty-five. It's not right. far. So it's not like they're like, oh, thank God we get to go to Southern California, SoCal for the week. Boise State's like, hell yeah, we get to get out of the cold cold mountains and out of the, the, the desolate uh, potato fields of Idaho, and we get to enjoy some sunshine and, and sunny SoCal and maybe do some surfing. That's great. I think they're going to be more enthusiastic about this bowl game and going there. I'm going Boise State with 10 confidence points. So we have different picks, but you're at 10 points and I'm at 7. So yes, neither this, of us are super confident. Right, and this is the closest one that we have had thus far. Thus far. Yeah. So, uh, finally, the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. Again, this is, you know, the, the Independence Bowl normally played kind of like in the middle of the week or not not normally on the first Saturday of bowl season, but it's six and six Cal from the Pac-12. Uh, they'll be going to the ACC next year because that makes a ton of sense. Again, six and six Texas Tech from the Big 12. 9:15 p.m. Eastern, 8:15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Texas Tech is a three-point favorite. Uh, this one I only have for nine confidence points. When they're both six and six teams, it's always kind of tough to say. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if one's from a power five and one's a group of five, sometimes you can look at that. But they're obviously both from power five conferences. But I've got Texas Tech, but for only nine points. Okay. Um, I have Texas Tech, and I like them a lot more than Cal. I like. Uh, I agree. Six and six is it's always a little dicey but i think texas tech is better i have that for 34 confidence points with the red raiders um it is uh now let's go to the famous toastery bowl which i believe should be the bahamas bowl on monday uh 2 30 p.m eastern 1 30 p.m central time on espn they are playing this game in charlotte because i think there's an issue with the stadium in the bahamas so Yay, guys. Instead of going to the Bahamas, you get to go to Charlotte. Um, Old Dominion's a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which I'm a little surprised by because I think Western Kentucky's quarterback isn't transferring. So, I mean, he's, he's pretty good. But, uh, all right, I guess we'll go with it. 7-5 um, Western Kentucky from, what are they, Conference USA, Old Dominion from the Sun Belt. Uh, Charlie, who do you like in this one? Old Dominion for 10 points. Okay. Not super confident, but I just feel like Old Dominion's going to be more excited to play in the game. Maybe I'm wrong in that. I frequently get stuff wrong in bowl games, so. I I have another high one in this one. I have Western Kentucky for 27 points. I just, I like their quarterback play a little bit more, and I, I don't know how Old Dominion got to six wins. I really don't. So, give me Western Kentucky here, and then... Uh, the final one that we'll pick here this week uh, on Tuesday, December 19th, in the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl in Frisco, uh, Texas, which they're playing in the same stadium as the FCS championship game will be between hopefully South Dakota State and whoever they play. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. UTSA, 8-4 out of... Uh, 
what are they, AAC, I guess, this year? Yes, AAC and Marshall 6-6 six and six from the Sun Belt. Uh, UTSA is a 13-point favorite. Charlie, who do you like in this one? This one, I do feel a little bit better, and part of it was because Las Vegas has them so comfortably in font. I have... Oh, and then I did my search find and accidentally pressed something and it erased for a second. There we go. Now it's back. Uh, UTSA, I've got winning, and for 33 confidence points. All right. Well, you know me, but you know where my hometown is, right? Oh, true. I was, I was going to say, uh, Brookings? And I was like, nope, you're not from Brookings originally. Right. You're from Marshall, Minnesota. Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. So, I'm going with UTSA for 41 points because <laughs> I, I, I don't think Marshall's that good. I think UTSA is. I like UTSA big time here. Uh, so I like I like, and there's no wrong strategy here. But like in the eight games that we have picked, if I recall correctly, you're the highest one that you have now is 33 points here with UTSA. The last game we picked, and then the second highest one was 18. You've, you're very more conservative on the with the points. Uh, for these Part of it is just goals. because the order is originally in the order of the games that are played. Sure. So sure. I think that's why. Okay. Like, not to spoil everything. Well, one of those is the playoff game, so I won't tell you that one. Okay. But, like, I had Ohio State and Missouri at 11 confidence points with Missouri winning. Mm-hmm. But, like, five in a row were all just those Saturday games because... Yep. They are earlier in the slate. Well, I'm going, I guess, uh, for broke here this weekend. Uh, hopefully, I can get, you know, if I can be six and two here, that would be great. Uh, I guess we'll take five and three as long as you get, you know, the UTSA and uh, the Celebration Bowl right, then then we'll be okay. But yeah, this is going to be interesting here. It's always fun to do. And, um, yeah, if you're up to it, uh, we'll get you on next week before Christmas and uh, pick some more bowl games here because there will be a, a number of ones that we'll have to get to here. Uh, and then the they, go, they really begin in earnest then right after Christmas uh, with, like, bowl games every, like, three or four bowl games a day, which is just fantastic. I agree. That's when it really is the most wonderful time of the year. It really is. It really is. Uh, anything, Just for fun, as yeah. a teaser, yes. should we say what we have is our 43.1s are? Yes. Which we could change these, obviously, yes. between yep. now and then, depending on things. Yes. Um, I will tell you, mine, Utah over Northwestern is my 43 points. I went with Utah last year, and they burned me against Penn State in the Rose Bowl. I have Utah, I think for that one, I have them at 36 confidence points. Um, so still pretty high, but yes. not, not as high. My big one, Oregon over Liberty, 43. I have that one also high, but only in quotation marks at 35. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, fairly high. My second, I'll just tell you my second highest one. Two. I'll tell you my second highest one, too. You go first. SMU over Boston College. Oh, that's my third to highest. That's my 41. Okay. All right. My 42 is LSU over Wisconsin. Hey, that's a that's a good one, too. 
Um, I thought about that as well. I mean, but likely Jaden Daniels isn't going to play, but Wisconsin's not good. So I no, like they that. They really are not good. I, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, I look forward to uh, talking with you next week. We'll see where we're at currently in the standings, how we did pick-wise through the first eight games and uh, or eight bowls and see where we're picking next week. Uh, but anything else you'd like to talk about here before we say so long for the week? Um, just that, uh, yeah, go Jacks on Saturday and hopefully they can well, make it to Friday, Friday straight or Friday. Yeah. Cause if you watch them Saturday, you, you I mean, you'll be disappointed Wait, they play on Friday. Yeah. Friday. Uh, well, I'm six. not going to see any of it. That sucks. I'll have to work on Friday. That Saturday. I don't know why I thought it was on Saturday. But. Saturday is uh, Montana and NDSU, I believe, at four o'clock. Uh, let me get that here. I honestly, like, there are some people who are complaining about how Albany had to play the very late, the the last game, late on Saturday night in Moscow, Idaho, not Moscow, Russia, but just you know, for. No, if it was the one in Russia, I think it would be a valid complaint. Yes. Then I don't. The but, other one, but I they, get where they're coming from. Also, they're all between eighteen and twenty-two year olds. Like you and I used to be that age in college, stack and yeah, and probably weren't as good of shape as these guys are. And I think it's safe to say that we both had some restless and sleepless nights, and it was still fine because when you're twenty, you can work off five hours of sleep for like four straight days. Fine, and also. SDSU is the the top seed. Albany is not. They've they had to go on the road. You don't get the schedule that necessarily works in your favor or that is you know the fairest for everyone here just because you had the late game Saturday. Like it, I'm I'm sorry. Like SDSU deserves to be in that Friday spot because they're, they're the top seed. That gives you an extra day. That gives fans an extra day. You know to get tickets or whatever. Or, you know. Scout your opponent uh, for that game. That's what you deserve. So, I I am not crying for Argentina. I'm not crying for Albany here. Or I'm different. glad I found this out now. I am really disappointed. It's on Friday only because I'm gonna miss it. I'm sorry. If my job did not require me to work Friday nights, I'd probably be like, oh yeah, fun. Then I got Saturday to do other stuff, and I'd like it. But since that's not the case, I actually hate that they're playing on Friday. Uh, do you, a lot of basketball this week weekend for you? Or? Uh, I think, I mean, I can't. We have 17 high schools, so if we go boys and girls, we could have up to 34 games. I mean, now obviously, like half of those we played each other. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if we have any that have Friday off off the top of my head. I would imagine we probably have at least 20 to 24 Yikes. Games on Friday, though, so... Okay. Well, that... I mean, I'll probably a little bit here and there be... I mean, I'll have it open in a tab mm-hmm. with the live stats to keep refreshing, but, you know, not well, the same as watching Hopefully it. it's 28-3 to 3 at the half, and you're like, oh, this is... I don't need to worry. I don't need to work up a sweat. Yeah, it could have the game recorded and watch it and in my spare time, like, when I get done and just enjoy... That's the perfect scenario. I hope that's what it is. By the way, North. In fact, it'd be great if I checked and it was midway through the second quarter. It's like, oh, 31 nothing. Like, yeah, this, this is fine. Yeah, as long as it's 31 nothing in favor of the home team. Well, yes. Yeah, if it's the other one, then I'm going to be in a bad mood all night. But. North Dakota State and Montana are at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Central Time on ESP, ESPN2 on Saturday. NDSU is currently a one and a half point favorite. Well, I hope the home underdogs win. I I would agree with that. I would agree. 
Well, have a great rest of your week, my friend. Enjoy the bowl games, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully. All right. Sounds good, Stackin. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hillebrand joining me, Sports Block Podcast. Uh, so there are our picks. He's going low, and I'm going high. I don't necessarily like that, but that is how, um, just kind of how it lined up, or whatever. At least this year, and we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at Week 14 in the NFL and make some early picks for Week 15. So let's go to Week 14. It began on Thursday night. We thought this game was going to be a dud, and the New England Patriots go into Pittsburgh. Bailey Zappi leads the the Pats to a 21-3 lead over the Steelers. They the Mitch Trubisky tried to get the Steelers closer. I mean, they they only lost 21-18, but couldn't get over the hump, and the Patriots get their third win of the season. Sunday's games then. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Atlanta Falcons 29-25. Baker Mayfield throws a game-winning touchdown with 30-some seconds left. Youngway Koo, the Falcons kicker, missed two kicks earlier in the game that ultimately cost the Falcons as they lose by four. So that's something you don't normally see from him. Game of the day was in Baltimore in the Charm City where the Baltimore Ravens beat the L.A. Rams 37-31. Uh, punt return by uh, Tyron Williams or something like that. Like, guy who had never returned a punt before in his life gets the game-winning touchdown here. Uh, yeah, Tyron Wallace. Uh, excuse me, uh, Wallace. 76-yard uh, punt return for a touchdown. Game went back and forth. Very good game. Uh, impressed that the Rams were able to compete as well as they did, given the weather conditions and you know the early start and you know, how good the Ravens' defense is. But the Ravens ultimately get the win in overtime. Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears have the Detroit Lions number for the most part. The Bears beat the Lions 28-13. Lions, very poor offensive game. It was, I think, their worst of the season. Justin Fields had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in this one. The Bears should have beaten Detroit in Detroit a few weeks back. They get the job done in Chicago here. And watch out for the Bears. They're playing some pretty good football at this time. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, Jake Browning, continues his hot streak. Uh, he played well, and they and the Bengals beat the Indianapolis Colts 34-14. This was the Apple Cup bowl uh or apple cup game the nfl jake browning from washington against gardner Minshew, the second from washington state uh for the colts and joe mixon had a couple of rushing touchdowns uh browning was solid once again and the Bengals get the win to improve to seven and six with the 34 14 win Cleveland Browns beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 31-27 David Njoku tight end for the Browns had a couple of receiving touchdowns in this one the Jaguars' defense, not good. Joe Flacco was great for the Browns once again at quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, surprisingly, he did play for the Jaguars in this game. You know, Less than a week after suffering that nasty-looking ankle injury against Cincinnati on Monday night. Uh, the defense has to play better, though, if the Jaguars want to get back in the in the thick of things here. But they get the 30, or the Browns get the 31-27 win. Bryce Young and the Panthers continue to lose. Uh Defense kept a minute. Derek Carr had less than 100 yards passing through three quarters. I mean, he barely had 100 yards passing for the game. But the Saints ride with their defense, block punt for return for a touchdown. So special teams, they get the 28-6 win over Carolina. Bryce Young, 13-39. Just absolutely awful. Uh, Houston Texans, woo. 
getting injured at the wrong time already without Tank Dell, who fractured his fibula last week. Uh, they lose 30-6 to to the New York Jets. C.J. Stroud is in the concussion protocol. Nico Collins had to leave the game. Uh, just dropping like flies for the Texans. And Zach Wilson played really well for the Jets in this one. In the rain, in the, in the at MetLife Stadium there in Jersey, Jets get the 30-6 to win. This game was scoreless at half, and the Jets scored 30 points in the second half. Go figure. Uh, then we go to the late afternoon games. The Vikings beat the Raiders 3-0. Ish, yuck, Josh Dobbs gets benched, Nick Mullins comes in and leads the Vikings on a game-winning field goal drive. Congrats for him. What an awful game. Three hours, we'll never get back. Uh, 49ers beat the Seattle Seahawks 28-16. Debo Samuel, another big day for him. Rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. C- Christian McCaffrey had a big day on the ground. Brandon Ayuk had several good uh, catches, long catches. 49ers take care of the Seahawks. Buffalo Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17. Of course, everyone knows about what happened at the end. Kadarius Tony lines up offside, and it's on the play that Travis Kelsey catches it and then laterals it back to Tony, who ran, runs it in for a touchdown. Patrick Mahomes was livid. Andy Reid didn't like it, but the right call was made ultimately. you got to do it. You, that, they were in the wrong. They I think they understand that now, but in the heat of the moment, it's like, Come on, but eh, bad, bad loss for the Chiefs. Buffalo, that's a season-saving win for Sean McDermott and company with the win. Uh, Denver Broncos continue their uh, continue to roll. They beat the L.A. Chargers 24-7. Uh, Justin Herbert got hurt in this game, fractured finger on his throwing hand. He's done for the year now. Easton Stick is the starter, and that no chance for the Chargers as the Broncos win. Sunday Night Football is a battle in the NFC East, and the Dallas Cowboys are looking really, really good. Dak Prescott, another solid game. How about this Brandon Aubrey uh, kicker for the Cowboys? Made a 60-yarder and a 59-yarder. First kicker ever to do that. He also added another 50-yard field. He's great. And the Cowboys throttle the Eagles 33-13. Then Monday Night Football doubleheader. Two shocking results. The Titans beat the Dolphins 28-27. The Titans were trailing in this game 27-13 with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter and came back to win it in regulation. Uh, incredible job by Will Levis and company. Uh, Tyreek Hill got hurt for the Dolphins. That's not good. Uh, Jalen Wall got hurt. They're starting center. Got it. So the Dolphins were dropping like flies. And then, uh, but Titans get the big win. And then the Giants... Tommy DeVito with his Italian mafia-looking agent stuff. The kisses for everyone. The Giants get a 24-22 win over the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love did not play very good in this game. Threw an interception, lost a fumble. Tommy DeVito played great for the Giants, and they ultimately get the win. So big win for the Giants there. They have now won three in a row, and that leads us, uh, that that loss snapped the three-game win streak, for the Packers. And we will go to week 15 now. It begins Thursday night football on Prime Video, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time. The 5-8 Chargers, the 5-8 Raiders. Easton Stick versus Aiden O'Connell. Yuck. Taking the Raiders. Saturday, triple header on the NFL Network. First at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time. It is the Minnesota Vikings at the Cincinnati Bengals. Mullins is getting the start for the Vikings. Their defense has played absolutely fantastic. I thought they could win. This was a winnable game a few weeks ago, and then Jake Browning has kind of lit the, the world on fire with the Bengals. Not sure what the offense is going to look like for the Vikings. 
Hopefully Justin Jefferson will play. I think the Vikings can win, but I got to ride with the Bengals right now. Hopefully, please Vikings, please prove me wrong. Uh, those are two. Those teams are seven and six. So is the other battle. We have five of the five of the six teams playing on Saturday have seven and six records. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts, 4:30 p.m. Eastern, 3:30 p.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. We don't know if T.J. Watt's playing. Kenny Pickett's not playing, so it's Trubisky. I like the Colts to get the job done. Can Colts continue their surprising run? And then 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. 7-6 Broncos, 9-4 Detroit Lions in Detroit. Lions got to bounce back in a big way, but this Bronco defense is good. The way the Lions have been turning the ball over lately, I'd be a little concerned, but we'll go with the home team here. We'll go with Detroit to get the win, and we'll, let's go to Sunday's games then. Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Falcons had a tough loss against Tampa Bay last week. Let's go with them to beat Carolina, though, because Carolina's just awful. Chicago Bears at the Cleveland Browns, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Browns defense, very good. I think they can limit uh, Justin Fields and company. I like the Browns to beat the Bears. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Green Bay Packers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Both teams are 6-7. and seven. The Bucs are leading. They're, they're tied for first in the NFC South, but technically they're leading because of tiebreakers and whatnot like the Packers to get the win. I think the Packers will take down Tampa Bay. New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Don't know if Tyreek Hill is playing. The Jets looked really good last week. This is a must win for the Dolphins. They have to respond after that loss to the Titans. I'll take the Dolphins to beat the Jets. New York Giants at the New Orleans Saints, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. The way the Giants have been playing lately, the way the Saints have not looked... I think I'm going with the Giants. I don't... I'll go with the upset here. We'll go with the Giants to get the win over New Orleans. Uh, Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. C.J. Stroud plays. I like the Titan. Or I like the Texans to win. If he doesn't, I like the Titans to get the win. So we'll see what happens there. But if right now I'll ride with C.J. Stroud. I'll ride with the Texans. Kansas City Chiefs at the New England Patriots, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, you got to get things going. Travis Kelsey in New York. Uh, T. Swizzle's birthday on December 13th on Wednesday. Very happy, you know, throwing a big birthday bash and everything. Like the Chiefs to get the win over the Patriots here. San Francisco 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Arizona's been playing better, but the 49ers are very, very good. I like the 49ers to get the win. Uh, Washington Commanders at the LA Rams, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Rams are playing better football than the car uh, than the Commanders. I like the Rams to get the win here. Dallas Cowboys at the Buffalo Bills, 4:25 p.m. Eastern, 3:25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. The Cowboys are fantastic at home. They're pretty good on the road too. But maybe the Bills have something going on here. Oh, it's the you know Stephon Diggs against Trayvon. Diggs. Oh wait, Diggs is his brother's not playing. Buffalo, please prove me wrong. I'm going with Dallas here. Please prove me wrong though. And then uh, Sunday Night Football, Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Jacksonville, you got to bounce back. This is, a, this is a time for you. I'm picking the Jaguars to get the upset win over Baltimore here. Stay alive for that one seed in the AFC. And then Monday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Seattle Seahawks, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Battle of the Birds. 
I think Philly Philly hasn't been playing great, but I like Philly to ultimately then get the win over Seattle here, though it will be tough. And those are your official picks and predictions for Week 15 in the NFL. The official picks and predictions, I guess, can be found in the stack. Stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. I appreciate you listening to this week's edition. We talked a lot of baseball with Shohei Atani, with Travis, and we talked a little, you know, college football and NFL and and a few other things and whatnot. Uh, and of course, the bull picks with Charlie. You can find Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Crins at Travis Crins. Facebook Nathan Stacken, the link to the podcast post in the middle to the later part of each week. Sports Block, you can search uh, on iTunes. Also find us on podcast.com or archive.org. Uh, so appreciate you listening. Enjoy the bull, uh, the beginning of bull season. Enjoy the NFL Network triple header, the basketball, the hockey, everything that you that you like to enjoy. Uh, so that happy birthday to my son Noah, turning six on Saturday. Uh, can't believe it already, but uh, love you, kiddo, and hope you have a great day. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Travis and Charlie and Nathan, thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.